Hey, what's up? Today we are going to be talking to Nick Nocturnal. I'm sure you know who he is. If you don't, he is a metal influencer on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the stuff, who is really on top of the metal scene. I give him all sorts of crap during this about that, but like for real, he is on top of the metal scene currently. And so, yeah, we'll get straight into the Nick Nocturnal episode, but first... One of the best ways you can support the podcast is by leaving a five-star review on whatever platform you're currently listening on. We are one of the fastest-growing metal podcasts in the world, and leaving that review helps push us to the algorithm and to people that might not have heard us otherwise. Our goal is to show the lived experiences of different musicians and different people that have worked in the industry and to inspire people to want to be involved and want to reach out into their dreams by hearing the experiences on this podcast. So you leaving a five-star review pushes us to someone that might not have heard it if you hadn't, and you might change someone's life. <laughs> it's like pulling teeth trying to get people to leave reviews, but really that's what we're talking about. We're just trying to reach people to inspire them to get involved in the music industry. So again, if you could leave a five-star review, and uh, I would appreciate that greatly. Thank you. And let's get into the podcast with Nick Nocturnal. You're listening to the Burn This World podcast. Here I sit with Nick Nocturnal, the most influential person in metal. How do you feel about that? That's I appreciate that, but I do not think the same. How do you not think that? What do you mean? I just, I don't know, man. It's, I'm like, you know, I, I mean, I sure I got people that watch the channel and watch the streams and stuff, but like, I don't know, man. I'm just a dude in this room that, you know, <laughs> likes to play guitar and writes some music right. and fucking, you know, like makes the YouTube videos. Well, it's like, you know. so I interview a lot of band people. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. big band people, small band people, a lot of people, all of them say that the most important thing currently is reactions and uh, you are, okay. you are it. So it's like, even to, according to the bands, you are the most important aspect of like them releasing music. So how does that make you feel? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, like reactions are an interesting thing. It's like just the new, it's just a new marketing medium. It seems like in the industry perspective, I guess, like we are now part of PR, right? Yeah. Like PRs will go and be like, you know, you hit radio, you hit blogs, you, you hit what you can. And now it's like reactors are part of that list, which is weird. Um, yeah. I never expected that. And I mean, even myself, like I didn't even, a lot of people don't even know that I play guitar or anything. Like right. they just saw me when I started doing reaction based content. So I'm, you know, I'm known as more of a reactor, I guess, to a lot of people nowadays, even though like I also write music and I do all this stuff. But like, yeah, like the reaction stuff pops off. It does well. It's, you know, it's I think of it more as linking to commentary, yeah. um, especially people that do actually do commentary with it, which that's actually more uh, bigger scope, I guess, of the way I would describe what more of my content is nowadays. It's commentary based. So, like even if I react to a song, sure, I'm doing you know, I'm checking it out for the first time and then there's the reaction base, which I know people connect with. You know, it's just like when you uh, show your friend a song you really like, you know, and you want to see their reaction. It's that same kind of like feeling I think a lot of people get when they watch. They want to see people, you know, be like, whoa, what was that and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, a, I have a friend that he won't go watch a movie without looking up critic reviews first. 
And like, I feel like right, reaction yes. channels are almost that. Like, I don't want to hear this song without knowing how someone else feels about it. Yes. <laughs> and I just, it's, it's kind of a weird thing right, to right. me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, I think that, uh, mm-hmm. I think it is very important. Uh, just as far as in the modern world, I would never have guessed that this would be like such an important aspect, um, of, a, of like releasing music. But, um, like, how because like you said i mean you're doing termina that's like your your main band that you do yeah and so are you is like your thought on what you're rolling this into is to roll it into like a more uh music career based opportunity for you or are you just you know gonna try to become a content creator for the rest of your life like what is what's like the goal of like taking advantage of this moment that you have uh i want to i want to do both actually like fully like i mean i it's funny because i've always went back and forth like i started actually as a musician not a content creator at all <laughs> right like way back when eight years ago yeah um i started as just a musician and wanting to go to youtube for a place to share my music and then it just so happened i got into doing covers and then once i became like the fast cover dude or whatever then i started to want to branch out for different reasons doing meme videos doing skip videos doing commentary videos doing reaction videos um, and I just fell in love with content creation as well and realized also just the huge potential and the importance of it um, more so than ever during, you know, the pandemic. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, before then, by the way, like labels could give a, a, a can, you, can you swear on here? By the yeah, way? do what you want. <laughs> could give a fuck <laughs> about YouTubers. Like, yeah, it was not a thing. It was not a thing. And, you know, when I did covers, it was never a thing. There was one time ever a label re- uh, reached out to me to do a cool thing and it ended up falling through anyways. They just were like, ah, the band changed their mind or whatever. I was like, okay. Um, yeah. And it was like, all right, well, that's fine. Like, I, I will, there's the in music industry world and there's the content creator world, right? And I'll always be isolated from the actual music industry world and be known as like a YouTuber, even though I like writing music and all that. And I didn't really mind that because I was having fun doing my own thing. I could be fully independent. I didn't have to answer to anybody except YouTube or YouTube's algorithm, (laughs) basically. So I enjoyed that. And the pandemic really was like, oh, well, dance can't tour. Where do we go? Oh, well, we need something else in the marketing chain now. And oh, where do we go? Well, YouTube is a big thing and TikTok and all these things. I guess we got to utilize it. And then that is when you start to see this thing where like, oh, reactions are important. Oh, people who do covers are important. Like, wow, that's crazy. And just even seeing the music industry come to me now yeah. was like, okay, yeah, I see what's going on here. <laughs> so I, I don't want to do just be just like a pure musician. I'm not that dude. Cause I also know like if I were to go like the, I'm going to be a crazy good guitarist, you know, I, there's better guitarists out there than me and there always will be. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, you know, want to do that. And I, you know, and even in the musician pure band route, like I just want to write really cool stuff and not have to worry about, Oh, is this, you know, paying the bills all yeah the time, for sure right? like i want to just have both platforms because also i know when it comes to the music stuff i need the content creator stuff side to promote it yep <laughs> <laughs> right so i want to keep the balance of both worlds you know doing youtube uh, twitch as well is a big important part of what i do now and being a part of the community with that sense and really being able to ingrain myself in the metal community as i as i have been and just you know being a fan of this music and you know mainly core based things but also just metal and music in general and guitar stuff but then also being like oh yeah also like here's my outlet for writing which is really funny now like 
I consider my days when I write like my days off. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you know what I mean? Like it's weird. It's, it's like, oh, I'm right. I have t- time today to spare. Let's write some Termina. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, so, that's, that's the creative outlet. And I mean, it's the, the music you write's good too. And I feel like the opinions that you give uh, whenever you're reacting kind of make you think a little more in depth about songwriting. So when you come to writing your own music, you might be a little more critical because you're used to being critical a little bit um, about stuff. Um, and you want to write stuff that's fun that you, oh, 100%. you know, it, it helps so much. Like my YouTube content has made me such a better musician um, indirectly because even just doing um, a, a lot of series like heaviest riffs where I have to go out of my way to yeah. really, you know, showcase what are some of the heaviest riffs and they all can't just be metalcore riffs, right. in all these different tunings. Yeah. That made me like a riff connoisseur in the sense where like I can pick up my guitar and just play any riff. Like just right. boom, give me give me a style of riff, melodic death metal. Okay, I'll play melodic death metal yep. type of riff that's new, right? Um, so yeah, and some like some people that, don't have that. And reactions have helped me understand more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, consumer fan perspective when there's the musician side of things, right? So it's like I don't go into writing a song thinking, oh, does this have to be the most technical thing or the craziest? newest thing i just want to listen to it and be like yo does this fuck mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah it's that perspective and is it somewhat unique in this space in the sense of does it hit an audience or a target which is missing right like because there's a lot of awesome bands that will you know maybe do heavy really well but then do these clean choruses that are so contrasting and they don't actually know how to blend them and they suck ass yeah right and vice versa <laughs> these bands that have great hooks great melodies and they try to pull off some of the heavy and it's like, what happened? You know, yeah. it's, and and even adding technical underlying abilities, it's like they don't know how to blend it. It's like, well, this is the guitar prawn song, but that's all it is. It's not an actual song anymore. Yeah. So, doing the reactions keeps me up to date with what's happening in the scene, sure. as well as you know what works, what doesn't, as well as just doing all my other series guitar related. Definitely has helped like shape writing and songwriting more than anything. Yeah, for sure. And like um, you. You nailed it with what you just said as far as um, people kind of really not having something that like meshes together. I do a thing where I do podcasts where people submit their songs and I review them and go over the songwriting and all this stuff. And sometimes they're so all over the place. And that's coming from someone that writes Browning music. Uh, But (laughs) the uh, I think that really what what to you is like the first thing when you're listening to a song that would be like the the turn off moment just because like there's a lot of people that listen to this that are in bands that are trying to uh better their music you know they want to hear me reviewing stuff but they i guarantee god dang tia they also watch your stuff right. and so like what's the first thing that whenever you're listening to something that you're like okay now i'm now i'm out of it Uh, a lot of times when bands do things just for the sake of them, like as much as I love breakdowns, if there's just a breakdown for the sense of there being a breakdown, that's, that's pointless. Like yeah. you need to write songs with an, with like natural emotional guidance in the sense of like, you need to have this natural flow of what you feel and what you want to happen next. And you are, you are the conductor, you're the director, right? It's you're, you're telling a story through songwriting. And if you're just putting a point here because you think people will, you people want it instead of this makes sense for the song, then there's there's no point. Like, why is it even there? It's so obviously off-putting. And there's a lot of bands who who are really heavy that just put the clean choruses just for the sake of it instead of oh this 
you know, instead of knowing how to blend it or knowing how to mesh it or it being like, yo, this song is heavy as, as fuck, but like, it's really nice to have this nice clean break and it actually blends and makes sense with the, the, the chord progression themes and everything being utilized and the layers being utilized. That's the biggest thing is just things not blending and being very obviously forced into songs. That's usually my biggest turnoff. Like, cause yeah. I, don't, I don't care if it's the heaviest song ever or the most feels are real song. I love both. And both of those things, like a feels are real song can have the most heaviest deathcore breakdown ever. And a deathcore song can have the most feels are real chill part ever. But they have to naturally blend and connect emotionally, or it's, there's no point of them being there. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I agree with that. A lot of people, especially in this like heavier kind of, I don't know what people are even calling it now, but like beat down or whatever the crap you know people I are saying. Pissed core, yeah, I know what they're, you mean. Yeah, and I just um, had not having like a, a purpose to the song or like whenever I'm writing Browning stuff, I try to give each song like a like a a tonality theme both with the keys yeah. and the melody and then also just like uh, underlying tones and then a flow and i try to really focus on having like each song having its own individual purpose rather than just being random crap um and it's uh, i feel like a lot of local bands or starting up bands really miss that because they <clears throat> are writing maybe particularly for like the reaction channels to have just the heaviest thing where really like you're saying, from a reaction channel standpoint, like if they're just doing something obnoxious out of nowhere for no reason, you're just like, eh, like that was obvious of you just trying to do something like that. And uh, it can take you yeah. out of the moment. Yeah. And also, once you start to listen to just more crazier stuff and more niche stuff, like that's the thing is like, to me, a band currently can't out heavy like Valjarta. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, a lot of these bands are trying to go for it and that's cool. And I, I got, I'm, I'm a breakdown dude. I like hearing it. And I get, I'll get excited if it's a breakdown that blends and they hype you up and they transition it properly. But also it's like you, you, it's, it's all of these things like writing the perfect course. It's its own mastering. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's its own thing. You have to spend years to develop just like writing a breakdown that is unique and different and, and, and blends. And that's something what I love about what you guys do with the Browning, but by the way, I've been listening to you guys since like literally since the first album, like you, you, yeah. your guys stuff is so fucking awesome. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, I always say it's the best gym music by far. Oh, there we go. Nothing beats it. Except Eskimo and, Cowboy now. Yeah. And, and what I love about what you guys do is like, it's, it, there's always the heavy aspect, but you, you experiment, you have fun, like you actually evolve. What you guys have done over the years to me is what really is the epitome of what bands should mean when they say, Oh yeah, we're evolving, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys actually evolve. You have your heavy foundation, the electronics, and you build different things. You add cleans here that make sense. But there's always a motif. There's always these hooks, even if they're just screaming hooks. Yeah. There's always these breakdowns that even if it's just zeros, you tie it together so well with all the layers and you make it hit so much harder than any other band that just does zeros with, you know, da 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 patterns. Like, when, you guys actually make it make sense. And I always treat, like, the metal side of the browning as just what simply makes it heavy, whereas, like, the focus is on the melodies on top of all of that yes. and then all that. And, like, you just said uh, how people always say that they're um, evolving or, I I hate the term, maturing. Um, yeah. And, and because it's like... Just because yeah. you're playing freaking three days grace rock courses now does not mean you're mature. Like you can still play right. very heavy music and have it be deemed as mature. Like to me, um, like Gojira is 
to me one of the most flawless yes. metal bands because they are they play some of the heaviest stuff, but it's not uh, like out of place and they're super melodic. They're heavy without doing freaking beat down breakdowns. Yeah. Like it's just they really do like you said you can be heavy without playing just freaking breakdowns all the time. And I play breakdowns all the time, <laughs> but I still can recognize that like Yes, it's it's like I said it's good gym music, homie. I love it. <laughs> it's like you need that extra rep and then you you get that nice, you know, reverse vocal scream into, uh, into some chugs. <laughs> there we it go. Gets you through the rep. <laughs> yeah, and so you think uh Viljarda, which I don't know how to say their freaking name, but uh, you think they're really on on top of that right now? Oh yeah, because this is a thing I feel like the scene in the, in the metal scene, especially, just um, they ignore sometimes. Like I feel like melody has finally become more of a thing. Yeah, for that sure. They care about in the metalcore scene, which is great, and sometimes too much they care about it. Um, but the other fifty percent of the equation is uh, rhythm and groove, which like they just were, mm-hmm. like forgot <laughs> a lot of time, you know. Yeah, and that in itself is adds so much heaviness like this groove and rhythm and also um catchiness and hookiness like i mean again mishuga is obviously the uh, easiest example like a song like bleed where it's like three notes but (laughs) it's you know the most catchy thing ever like you hear that you know like damn yeah that rhythm like you know what's happening and it's just because of the groove so that's why i start i'm starting to like what bands are starting to do with with their songs is like groove is more important as well as melody as well as riffs as well yeah. as vocal you know tonality and, and everything and tying that all together and a band like valjarta they've been blending that since 2011 yeah like they they, they are they're super gent like their breakdowns still bands are just now starting to include <laughs> fall in their breakdowns yeah like just ten to twelve years later. <laughs> Define thaw and what it means. What? Define thaw. Like how Viljarda said, you know, they're thaw, like they do that right. stuff. Like what what is it that is that that sound like that they So do? yes. So I in simplistic terms, super gent, but in <laughs> terms of more of like a nerdy way to describe it, like theoretical what's happening, it's a lot more rhythmically focused but also rhythmically spacious yeah um there's a lot more breath for the ambient layers Mm -hmm. and the rhythms that do hit are very impactful it's not just like here's a groove for the sake of it it's like it's very meticulously planned where you hit the chugs and things like that and a big thing as well in in fall is is bends like long bends like, yeah, we both just made the sound so. Uh, you know, like things like that, which <laughs> yeah. is I now am only now starting to hear bands actually do this, uh-huh. stuff, which is crazy to me. Yeah, and so you're saying like how Mashuga is like constant just driving, just like Thal is yes. more, there's some gaps in between these things so that you get this ambient kind of like, to me, whenever I hear their stuff, I feel like like cold, like kind of icy atmosphere. Um and oh, it, yeah. it just uh, it does give some more space for that stuff, and that's something I love. I love atmospheric music um, and metal that involves the atmosphere. Um, and oh, so, 100. yeah, they're it, like spacious mashuga with yeah. with atmosphere, basically. <laughs> exactly. Well, more atmosphere because mashuga uses some atmospheric things too, with like ambient layers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they just put that, and they also have a. There's a lot more infused. Like you can hear some black metal in parts. You can yeah. hear just like very unique, weird niche. Not that black metal's niche, but like, you know, niche influences that also just add these spices to it, which I also love because it's also hard to play and to write. 
Yeah. And it's and it's heavy. Like I'm that excites me so much because I'm like, yeah. yes, there's an entry to barrier where I feel like the last one was really like deathcore, but then everyone learned how to play deathcore <laughs> and it was like, yeah. okay, it's not that you know, it's not the entry to barrier isn't as hard anymore. So then every band can just do it or try to do it, you know, poorly. Yeah. <laughs> usually. Um, but this is something that actually is like really it's tough to understand, which I again that excites me because I feel like bands that do adapt it have to know what they're doing. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, so many people um, always talk about bands like uh, that they, they they think would be easy to write. Uh, like, mm-hmm. and I, I hate to keep referencing the Browning, but people are like this just breakdown with sense. I'm like, do it, like write one that's that's entertaining, <laughs> you know. And or like how they some people might say like Thaw or stuff is just like gym breakdowns with mm-hmm. you know synth pads. It's like, well, try it. Like to write one that's actually entertaining. I think the biggest thing to me that is interesting in music, like Vilcharda, which again, I don't know if I freaking say their name, but uh, interesting yeah. songwriting. Um, I hate that metalcore in general has kind of gone to like this rock and roll song structure where stuff like them is, or like a lot of the new North Lane stuff is doing like this unique structures in their music. Um, that yeah. makes it more interesting to listen to. Hello, here I am in the middle of the episode talking to you, the listener, again. And I'm going to ask one more time if you could leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. As you can hear in this conversation, we're talking about all sorts of stuff that might inspire someone to want to take their music career or a creative career really seriously. And so you leaving a five-star review pushes us in the algorithm to maybe reach someone we might not have reached otherwise. So you might change someone's life by leaving a five-star review. And uh, I would really appreciate it. And so with the guests on this, it also pushes their voice and their platforms to more people. So again, leave a five-star review and thank you. Keep on enjoying the episode. I feel like whenever I'm listening to a new metalcore band, I like I can immediately just write out the structure of the song, and it's going to be that. Um, yeah, when it comes to some of them are a bit too too obvious. Like that's the thing. Like I'm all for verse, chorus, verse, chorus, breakdown, chorus. You know, right. like that's it. I'm cool yeah. with that as long as it does it in a unique, emotionally encapsulating way. Yeah, and like blends the things and it's not just like obvious like oh well they didn't know what to put here so they just copy past it yeah right um that's when it gets boring to me and it's, and it's just very defaulty and, yeah. and there's so many different unique things and it's obviously less risky but at the same time i know there's some songs that are just like that call for it and yeah. it's like that's totally great that's fine it fits the song but not every song calls for that <laughs> for sure i mean that to me that's the number one thing that pulls me out is if it's just such a predictable structure um like i think metal should be surprising and do some stuff that catches you off guard and really surprises you and so that's that's one of the main reasons i'm like uh kind of falling out of listening to metalcore particularly Hmm. um is just how it's kind of turned into that like i've been getting into like more extreme uh stuff because they're not necessarily following structures or anything like that i really want something that's going to catch me by surprise um and really just i don't know entertain me in that sense like it's funny like even before um we got on this call i was sitting there and i was watching clown core videos like the <laughs> clown core is dope yeah dude i mean they're just like they're they don't give a freaking crap and they're writing this super interesting stuff that's just like while you're listening you're picking it apart and you're like 
it's it's insane like yeah it's not necessarily like super listenable but as a musician as i'm listening to it i'm just like this is so interesting to think of how they created this you know mm-hmm. um and that's kind of what i'm looking for in a lot of stuff i'm looking to be surprised i'm looking to be like able to deep dive into what they're doing rather than it just being all surface material um yeah and um yeah i feel like like do you think metalcore is at a point of like becoming like uh i don't know they're not even necessarily metalcore but there's like this revitalization of like deathcore with a lot of the new new or younger bands that are really popping off do you think that there's potential or what do you think is missing from like the deathcore that got us all into it in like the 2006 you know that era versus like the new age deathcore now like what is what can people do to revitalize it back to how excited people were back then I think the deathcore scene to me right now is more exciting than the metalcore scene because yeah. like there's in in just a couple of years like I feel like four new subsets of like deathcore like there's obviously the symphonic deathcore which like Lorna Shore yeah. and like Shadow Shadow of Intent kind of are like doing yeah. and then every other band that wants to sound like Lorna is also now going to do <laughs> yeah um and so th- there's that then there's this like uh, the brand of sacrifice version where it's just chaotic. You know, I think they're one of the best ones doing it. Pitches and like alien noises and stuff, which again, like brings a Saturn kind of done before, but they did it more with like guitar being the focus. Whereas yeah. like Brand of Sacrifice does it more with like musically, just everything's kind of wacky and crazy, but like it's still focused and there's choruses and stuff. Um, then there's like new Deathcore, which Slaughter to Prevail is kind of leading on yeah. that, which is great. As well as there is uh, like this, the, I call it piss score, I guess, too, but like bands like Darko um 1056 yeah you know that are definitely about the breakdowns but also like they they could throw around an easy chill song and like make it kind of blend if they wanted so like i'm really i'm actually much more excited about what deathcore is doing and seeing all those things start up and i think over the next year or two it's going to be more and more exciting in that scene the metalcore scene i mean it's i see a new trend which bands are getting heavy again so that, you know, I, I take what I can get, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, this isn't 2005 metalcore anymore, which is by far my favorite era of metalcore. Yep. But like, you know, bands are trying to get heavy. They're trying to understand the, the, the uniqueness of modern breakdowns and how to incorporate them. Everyone's using the whammy DT, like 50-50 split on their uh, breakdowns now, which yeah. is cool. I'm like, okay, like, I see what you're doing. And, you know, the choruses, they're, they're trying to, work out a bit more and the verses are starting to get a little more exciting i think it's going to be a slower pace for the metalcore scene though than it is the deathcore scene to have like a new like oh my god this is like crazy definitely yeah i just i feel like a lot of the big metalcore bands that became like the big metalcore bands like um i think a lot of them are going to me at least it seems like going more towards like a trying to do like rock stadium stuff and i just i I don't know, but maybe I don't listen enough to to what bands are doing because I, I, again, got so bored with it. I just kind of stopped paying attention to a lot of the, the metalcore stuff and what they're doing. Um, but, I mean, it's uh, the deathcore scene, I think, definitely has all the potential right now to kind of have that resurgence. I don't think anyone besides Lorna Shore is going to be able to do that Lorna Shore sound and be extremely popular. Um, oh yeah definitely not. I, I think they're an outset and i think they're the only band that's going to be able to sound like that and be big um 
but they they're definitely killing it right now and i think that yeah. knock loose really uh stepped up the game on heavy music becoming popular but um in general it's uh i don't know i have high hopes but i i did uh went to so what fest recently um and the heavy bands there were 100 percent what like the whole crowd was ready to see like the heavy nice. bands had the biggest crowds the most interactive crowds it was very obvious that people wanted the heaviest music that was at that festival. And so that was really, really nice to see. Um, and yeah, heavy's in now. Like yeah. it's, it's definitely like a, it's cool to be heavy, which it's, it's refreshing for ones. Yeah. And, uh, listening to stuff. So again, a lot of people listening to this are people that are starting a music career or are on their path, like through it. Um, like as far as your, path that you've been on right now and you've had this moment like you got it because you know you said covid really blew up like what it was doing for your channel but like if someone was like you know what i also want to be content creator i also want to be doing reaction channels or whatever it is to be able to have this online presence like how would like what is your daily routine of what you're doing or what you did like what is it like in the in the day of the life of what nick is doing Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it varies, which is exciting. But I mean, like, I wake up at night. I've even, I mean, it's its own thing, but I've been, even been exercising right away for an hour, like going to the gym, wake up at nine, go to the gym, like nine thirty ten, 10, um, eat, and then start getting to things. Again, depending how quickly I need to start, either like at 10, literally, or at 11. Um, and from there, it's, well, what, what's coming out this week? What's, you know, what videos do I need to plan? Do I need to do a reaction? Is it more of an original thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do that let's get that set usually that takes me the whole morning until i morning and afternoon until it's stream time which is 5 p.m est and i go 5 p.m est till 8 p.m est streaming on twitch and then after that it's fucking you know it's eat, it's eat dinner and then it's okay well do i still need to finish what i was working on today yeah go back to it sometimes yeah. work literally i like i did a recent video 10 levels of math rock i had i like i started at 10 a.m went to sleep at 7 a.m <laughs> it's just it's what it is yeah like just those are one of those videos where i had to stay up it took a lot of extra work but i wanted to make sure it was done right and um you know sometimes you do have to stay up those dumb stupid hours yeah um well, especially because you like, try to you know, get stuff up. out fast I'm literally working from 10 till midnight mm -hmm. usually um you know whether it's twitch or streaming or admin or organizing you know what's what am i doing tomorrow organizing a stream right and I, that's the thing too it's like i even have specific days like sunday for me is its own day where i plan everything like that is plan my twitch schedule like that's plan what monday video plan what uh youtube videos i'm going to be doing plan my instagram posts plan what tiktoks i'm going to be doing and then all between all of this obviously i have to have a life i need to do something i need to no you know, take some kind of break so i'll watch you know netflix with my girlfriend for like an hour um and then mixed in with all that it's like oh yeah i have bands i need to write for so then it's like okay well i gotta write Termin, i gotta write nick knock i gotta finish this up i have to plan oh no you know and of course nothing always goes to plan that's just how it goes so it's like oh okay i need to also leave time every day to adapt i literally leave like i try to be an hour an hour ahead of my day because i know that hour is going to be eaten up by weird emails or things not working out that I need to fix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how much, how important in what you do is it to be like the first person to upload those videos? 
Um, for it used, it's this is how it works, right? It used to be a lot more important, first of all, because especially I was doing covers, which people want to learn the song. That's why yep. I watched the cover. Um, so if you're the first one to do it, it matters. So that used to matter a lot. And also it was just like my thing. Like I was known as the fast cover guy. So I just played into the brand basically. I was like, okay, I don't mind. That matters. Also how it works with YouTube, depending on how much you piggyback on the, on the, um, on the keywords of the band in YouTube's SEO. Well, you'll just get recommended. People will get recommended your video more if the song just came out and you do a video with it. Because that song's getting traction, so you'll probably get recommended. Your video will probably get recommended if you have similar, you know, keywords or you know whatever it might be. Usually, if it's a cover, especially. Um, and if you do a reaction too, like yeah, it helps. But I'm at the point too where I'm like, I don't know if I, I like. I'm in no rush. Like yeah, if I have a different different video plan today, like it For is sure. what it is. Um, but there there is part where it has diminishing returns, where it's like if you wait like a week, like you're just hurting yourself in that sense because yeah. it's like the songs just like people just don't care as much about it yeah. um but luckily i got to a point in my career where i don't need to piggyback off the keywords or seo at all like For sure. people will watch the videos just because they're interested in seeing my take even if it is like a month later yeah but i you know i still try to do it in a timely manner because also i need to plan my schedule like if i plan to upload something the day it comes out because I work, you know, a label will hit me up or something and be like, hey, here's the song early, you know, and I'll be like, yeah, we'll whitelist it and, you know, do the whole spiel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I get, and that, that's delayed by two days. Well, that screws up what video I'm going to upload two days later. Then that right. gets delayed till next week. And then the video for next week gets, you know, delayed and <laughs> it's just worse, worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Um, and so like from, like you said, you're at the point in your career where you could upload a, a song a week later and it's still going to get views because you just have this built-in fan base. But like, what about the person that's trying to do what you do, but they have uh, 435 subscribers? Like, how is that person, um, like, what's their best route to be able to build that fan base and build that viewership? Number one is to not try to do what I do. <laughs> because if you instantly try to go with the thing that I want to just do what this person does, you are boxing yourself in and limiting yourself. Um, first of all, to the potential, just instantly your potential will be limited. To, let's say you even do everything right and you ace it and you do it better than the person you want to do it like. You're still probably going to do just, you're never going to do as good as them. And why would you want to instantly start by limiting yourself, right? Um, the good way to do is start with wanting to, you like, you know, as a consumer, you like a lot of different things. You like what this person's doing, this person's doing, this person's doing, and then creating your own take on all these things and coming into it with, and this is what everyone messes up, wanting to add value to the community and scene instead of instantly, what do I get from this? If you go into this with the mindset of, well, I want to do this because I want to make money or I want fame or I want to get all this shit, you will fail so hard. Like you just, it's not going to happen for you. You need to go into this because you love it and because you like this space and you want to add value to this space through your content, through a unique perspective, through a unique talent. And if you it, it, really just starting with that mindset will just put you ahead of so many people. It's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the start thing. And then the next is like, well, what do you want to do? Like there's a lot of platforms. Like if I had to, let's say restart today, with no one ever, you know, not having Nick Nocturnal, none of that. No one knows who I am. I would be like, okay, well, I'm going to start with TikTok. I'm going to start YouTube. And then if I stream on Twitch, I'm probably going to save that later. But if I do, I have to use those 
streaming as content for Twitch clips for YouTube and for clips for TikTok. But I also have to provide something unique and a unique perspective blended in with what's maybe popping off and what's doing well with just my natural, you know, with, with whatever natural strengths or talents you have with also just what you have a big passion for. Because if you also go into this stuff with like, oh, I'm going to do this to do this, or I'm going to do what Nick does for Nick, instead of just, I want to do this because I like it, you will not last more than a couple months doing it because you're going to get bored and sick of it and drawn out and, and you're going to quit so quickly. And that's what most people do. Yep. They, they just quit because they try to do something they think they should do instead of what they actually want to do that's going to have longevity, which is so much more important. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so you said something there that is, um, I say to bands all the time whenever I'm doing reviews and stuff, you said don't try to do what you're doing. And I say that to bands all the time too because like, why would you want to sound like Whitechapel whenever people can just go listen to Whitechapel instead? Yeah. And so like, why would you try to do content exactly like what you do when they could just go watch you instead? People are always going to watch the more popular person just because that's what we gravitate towards. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it, you know, unless you're adding it, that's the thing, that's why I'm saying even add value, unless you're taking a concept that's already been done and then adding additional value to it that creates a u- new, unique thing, right? Because no one's going to do something completely new and unique anymore. It's just right. impossible. Everyone's done everything, right? Even musically, or technically everyone from in the modern era of metal is copy pasting everything the classical and blues era did like yeah. 200, 100, 200 years ago, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, but, and I think it's, it's about, um, <clears throat> personality a lot of time especially in even in the music realm um you you have to have a a big personality involved with this plus something unique and so like but in your space because i feel like your space is a space that people are really interested in or they think they can do it or they think they're funny or whatever what what is something unique that someone can do in your space that would even give them that would give them that uh visibility (sighs) Is this in specific like the reaction space? Yeah. You mean or yeah. yeah? Oh, um, that's the thing is like if I thought about it, I probably would have messed meddled around and tried it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess you don't got to worry about it anymore because you're you're you got it. Well, like, like that. I guess I'll dissect more what I do. I guess that adds the unique space, that's yeah. which maybe people come and watch, right? Other than just turn my brand and my name, um, I do play to my personality, which is something I actually didn't do until like really like a couple of years ago because especially when i played guitar how do i play into the personality right. i just you know you don't you don't talk <laughs> right <laughs> right and once i got more comfortable and i was like okay well i'm just gonna be myself that is weirdly one of my biggest assets is literally just being myself and not really caring like a breakdown yep. comes on if i get excited i'm gonna get excited like i don't care what yeah. people say or if they think it's fake or overhype i'm like nah man i put this song on because i'm stoked to hear what the band has yeah and if a breakdown hits i'm gonna get stoked like it's just as simple <laughs> as that um and even the random noises like just like whatever it is like this is just again it's very just i just go with the flow and i think people people can attach themselves to that a lot easier uh sometimes and also the fact that i do you know i do know what i'm talking about like yeah that's the thing i i thought about going even uh, a couple years ago on my channel like a full educational route because i I know music. I know music theory. I know songwriting theory. Like that's actually what I know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and instead, I'm like, well, if I just do that, you have a different audience, which is understandable, and it's a more educational audience. You probably make higher CPMs, which is probably nice too. Um, <laughs> but I was like, it wasn't sustainable for me just because of like 
if I want to teach, I'll teach. Like I did teach actually as private lessons for a bit, but I just want to have fun. Like I, I don't want to worry about all the time. Like, oh, if I make one mistake, you know, with what I say, oh, now the video's trash, right? Which yeah. can be very much tied to that. And people will pick that instead of just like, I say what I say, but hey, I also know what I'm talking about. Like I'll yeah. always leave my analysis at the end of my videos, um, which to me is much more important, more important than the reaction, even though the dip in viewership definitely dives oh, yeah. to see my reaction, which is fine. I still have that ending part because I think that's important to actually understand what's going on and the analysis on a broader scope. And I mean, I could literally make every reaction an hour long if I wanted to, like to yeah. talk about every little detail of what the guitarist doing, the techniques he's using, what the drums drummer's doing, what kind of, you know, what are the samples they're going for, the production, unique layers added, the vocal techniques. Like I have all this knowledge and I just choose to kind of use it in bits and pieces um, to create a thing that's more enjoyable for a consumer that's just like, hey, I'm here to listen to music and maybe learn some little cool things along the lines. But like I'm here just to listen to cool stuff and get entertained. Like that's yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, that's that's, that's, that's playing that's into the better. personality because you you do have the background, but you are also <clears throat> inherently funny uh, to a degree. Thank you. <laughs> and so or it's like, you know, hardcore Keem, he really plays into his personality um yes. and like because i i considered doing um like youtube videos but it, i would less call it reactions but more like an analysis because i'm not necessarily a funny person but i do overanalyze music anytime i'm listening to it gotcha. and so like for me that would be playing into my personality so like what you're saying to people is figure out your strength figure out what makes you unique and what's uh, person like your personality and then play into that rather than just trying to act like hardcore team or trying to act well, like Nick Nocturnal. Yeah. Well, that's also cause like the thing that makes you most unique is your, is you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So it's like you definitely start with that. Right. And if yeah. you start with that and then you also add your strengths again, like I'm a weird dude because like I was a musician, but I was a content creator and I, like, I blended these two worlds and I always thought that was a con because I could never do, one or the other fully right i couldn't full meme out and be just a youtuber blog dude or a vlog dude and i couldn't be an actual legit musician yeah and now i'm like wait these worlds have just collided and yep, for sure. i've been playing both of these worlds this this whole time you know and i'm like okay well that is my uniqueness is that i'm part of both of these worlds yeah and 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 i understand how to talk with both of them that's also a thing is like the lingo in the music industry versus the lingo in the content creator industry and knowing the differences of how things are run. And me coming in there as a content creator and talking to some of these labels and knowing my value and what I offer. And when I do something as simple as, hey, can you whitelist this? And they say no. I'm like, okay, well, bye. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, because, you know, I don't care how big a song is or how this, like, it's like, there's things that I know I'm also providing these labels without asking for yeah. any you know things well you can't give me. them content for free like they have to pay for that kind of stuff and plus like you said it's part of pr there is a marketing budget and so oh yes and it's even as i got more and seeing how much money is spent on yes marketing. a lot like Why that's the thousands of dollars that's the biggest like, budget in the album cycles i know and i'm sitting here <laughs> asking for my whitelisting so i can make like a couple hundred bucks on my reaction a <laughs> hundred thousand people see that Overtur that that turns over for the bands, by the way, yeah. in indirect sales and ticket sales, and I know how much it does because I know how much my sponsored dedicated yeah. video rates are. Which sure, like when I do a reaction video, it's not as let's say selly as like a dedicated YouTube content creator video. Yeah, but 
that's a dedicated video to a dedicated topic that yeah, I'm exactly. talking about. And it's getting views. So I know how much that converts in sales. Yeah. So you can leave me my meals, you know, a couple <laughs> hundred bucks, fam. All right. Yeah. You know, and and so that that's another topic to get on with something like this, because one of the biggest things that people that will deter people from doing what you do is the like, there's no money in it. Right. And so, uh, but like you said, you can't get into it initially as far as like, oh, I want to be rich or I want to be famous. Like you have to assume you're not going to gain followers. For the first three yeah. years, and I made I have my AdSense pay slips. Um, third year, I made every month fifty cents. There you go, that's it. <laughs> third year, like, and I didn't care. Like, it was fun. Like, yeah. I could give a shit. Exactly, and so you have to do it for the right reason. But, um, like, what like of what you do? I I already think I would assume I would know what like your most monetized aspect is. But I I would assume your Twitch is where the majority of your monetization comes from dude uh twitch i make the most money on twitch by a bit during yeah. adsense now but that's only like youtube used to be half until i started to restructure and yeah. i was like look i'm not doing co- like i'm just not doing copyrighted content anymore like i'm yeah. done like that's fine and in, when i made that stance at the start of this year oh the, oh who would have thought revenue actually <laughs> went up because i could monetize more than three of my thousands of videos <laughs> yeah exactly and i think that holding that stance firm versus these labels is very important for people like you um because like i said i mean it's like the the marketing budget is the biggest budget for a record and so even yeah. if like honestly they should be paying you outright and whitelisting in my opinion that's how it should be <laughs> <laughs> and so, well i mean that's 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 how it works in the content creator world right? exactly that's like you that's how it does work in there but that's where i'm saying here's the here's the these worlds are finally colliding to, you know and combining together i'm not gonna overstep my bounds yet even though i know and Ouch. i know my value i know these things that you, you should pay and it's not even a pay to like do a good reaction it's no you pay for the slot fam uh, yeah exactly have your video there <laughs> um which i just don't even dare i don't even dare ask you know i'm like you know what like no it's fine i already have enough trouble with whitelisting and yeah in five years from now the music industry will catch up to the content creator world yep. in that sense and that's fine i for now let me monetize my video simple as that i put the work into it i had the slot i have the audience that i built over yeah. eight years so people can watch it i brought the entertainment value for it that actually added much more value to the video so it's not just me looking at the video and then the video ends and i'm like bye yeah right (laughs) so no like you can let me monetize as simple as that and if you don't like i said yo there's so much new music that's fine yep (laughs) (laughs) definitely totally cool like yeah move on to the next one and it's it is such a pain the the whole whitelisting and for anyone that doesn't know what that means it 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 basically it gives the um person the ability to not get that taken down and the monetization given to someone else like the the youtuber actually get the monetization from it um and like i'm on i'm signed to spine farm which is a subsidiary of universal umg yes the uh <laughs> the nightmare of the demonetization world um they wouldn't even they wouldn't even whitelist my youtube or my twitch channel so all of my stuff was getting demonetized on my own music Jesus, man. Well, I mean, and, and much I, I work with, again, I have a few A&R reps at all these labels now. And again, by the way, it's all the people I work with at these labels, gems of human beings. They're yeah. actually awesome. A lot of them are, are like a little younger, too. Like they're in their 20s, yeah. right? And like they get it. They understand this because they watch YouTube. They watch Twitch. They understand this shit and they're excited about it. 
And some of them, like, I feel them when they're like, when I come to them and they come to me back excited and then they go to their higher up bosses and the publishers and, like, no. and then they come back <laughs> to me with that email. And you can tell it's like, you know, when the people come back or like a dog comes down to you, it's like, you know, you're, you're I already know. Yeah. I know when I read the first line of the email sometimes when I'm like, couldn't do anything, could you? And they're like, sorry, man. You know, yeah. it's just as simple as that. And uh, much love to the people I work with at Spine Farm. They're, they were great. Yeah. The Spine Farm was one of them. And that's why I love reacting actually to the Browning. I was ready to react to every single single you got, you actually yeah. rolled out. Um, and same thing with Bullet. Love Bullet. I yep. love that band. I love a lot of bands on Spine Farm. And as soon as they were like, yeah, we can't whitelist, I'm like, Okay. It sucks, like, and sorry. and it sucks it from sucks. my perspective, like because exactly because I also know that that you are a fan of the band, and so it's like why wouldn't I like try everything possible to make that happen? And the the thing is how it always works because even whenever I'm sitting there begging Spine Farm like get them to whitelist my crap, uh, yeah. they just they're like, well, we'll we'll go ask Universal, and it's like, yep, okay, like conversation yeah. done. I mean. Yeah, dude, it's, that's that you just described it perfectly, which I feel like a lot of the labels sometimes when I've talked to them in the past, they don't understand. It's like the bands are the ones that get hurt. And I'm like, because I also have people in the bands that hit me up all the time. Yeah. And I feel so guilty being like, because sometimes they also don't understand what it is, right? Yeah. It just seems like, oh, this guy's being a selfish dick that's not getting paid <laughs> for this. So he doesn't want to do it. It's like, no, that's not it. I'm not getting paid for this yeah. to do this. <laughs> Um, it's as simple as dude, like just they, besides even the monetization aspect, it's like, I want to have the knowledge that my video is also just not going to get blocked randomly. That happens all the time. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, I I want that security. Basically it's, it's more of the principle. Even it's like, I've had labels that are like, we can't whitelist, but we'll pay you instead. And I'm like, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't care. Like, no, that's, that's not, that's, I, I want whitelisting for the principal basis and for the security basis. I don't, I don't want to take money from you guys in that sense. I want to make, I want to generate new capital that otherwise wouldn't have been there. That's for me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. As simple as that. It's an opportunity cost because otherwise you just don't get the profit anyway. So whatever. So going through all these labels now and having like, again, this Rolodex of all these really great people I work with at all these labels and sometimes having to really go back and forth with them to be like them being like, okay with this and me having to literally describe to them how YouTube works and how much (laughs) I charge for a dedicated sponsor video and how literally I'm like, oh, so if you guys want to take it this route, well, sure, just pay me this amount that I charge dedicated sponsors. And then they hit me back with, you know what? We can whitelist instead. Yeah. I'm like, wow, <laughs> magical. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I mean, it's um, it, it's just, I say it all the time. Like I even, in, in a lot of the podcasts, I talk about label stuff. Um, right. And they're all just so lagged behind of like what the modern world is that um, like, I don't know how there hasn't been mandatory contract like renegotiations over the past like five years with how streaming is important how stuff like reactions is important like if i was signing a modern a deal in the modern world i'd be like we're writing one from freaking scratch right now uh because the modern world is so different and like whitelisting is important I, i would want zero copyright strikes on twitch and youtube that would have to be freaking mandatory um yeah Literally four years ago, actually, how we started promoting Termina. You know how I sold it to reactors? No. I'll whitelist. There's no copyright claim. That's how I sold it to them. So then everyone wants to do it. Everyone wants to do it, actually. Because they've never gotten that before. I was was on that way before the pandemic. Yeah. Ever, you know, I was like... 
because I'm a YouTuber. I understand that perspective. I'm like, you'll never get a copyright claim on this. I'm never going to sell the publishing. It's always going to be owned by me. You will always be able to monetize this until I die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it's as simple as that. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you on that, man. It's like I hear the horror stories sometimes and it's also rough because then I also talk with like again some A&R label people or people in the industry and you can see some some of the people that have such good intent that have no power though. Yep. And it's like really sad because there are people that do want to make a change and do want to do the right things and really love these bands. Like yep. love them. And when it comes down to the nitty gritty and shit gets tough, they literally have no power and they can't do yep. anything and it's like it's sad to watch from the outside. Oh for sure. Um, and it's happened to a lot of my friends. Even to my friends I'm like look get off you know this this label and not that you know sometimes labels are important and it's even in nowadays which they can help like you have literally no money and you have no business sense like yeah get a label yep. they'll do everything for you make sure you sign the right contract please for fuck's sakes get a lawyer or something like <laughs> yeah. i know you it's a weird concept like you're probably broke right and you probably can't afford a lawyer but like i don't know like do anything you can to save that so that you know what you're signing um and you know like other than that like yo you start a new project do you have capital Okay, like, do you have any capital? And this is what me and, again, I don't really talk about it much, but, like, how terminal me and Andy did this right now is, sure, it's weird in my case because I have a big asset, which is my YouTube channel, right? Which has helped. And I utilize that, obviously, for Termina. Yep. Me and Andy never put more than $500 each into Termina, ever. Done. Yeah. We put $500 each. We got the, for the music video, and sure, we had to mix and master, which was not ideal, but we, Got it done, right? Even nowadays, a mix and a master, like 500 bucks for a good one. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like it's, you, you can get one. Um, but we only put $500 each into the project ever. And then we, we were like, okay, well, through DistroKid, get some streams, get some YouTube AdSense. All right, we got now $2,000 back from that. Well, that goes straight into the next video. Okay, now we're at 3000 because we're getting residuals from single one and single two. And we just keep doing that. And literally, this new album, like, has, um, is costing us 25 grand. Yeah. And we've never put more than $500 each into this project. Yeah. And it's fully paid out. We have zero money, though, from it. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have no money left uh, when we're done this, this uh, new album. But the residuals we're going to get, like, if it goes well, is going to be like 50 grand plus. Oh, wow. That's funding the next album. Yep. Maybe we can actually take the pay if we really want to. Right. Yep. So it's like, but again, I know it's a weird situation because you're like, well, Nick, you have your YouTube channel. And that's true. And I obviously use it to help promote. But it's not impossible to to do this even with literally like very minimal yeah. money if you understand how distribution works, how to get it in the eyes in front of people, how to get people listening and know where to go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, one of the problems, especially in like a full band, like you're talking about you guys are just two people. Like, yes, if you have five people and each person puts in 500 bucks, you know, yes. it's it, it is very possible. But um, I think the problem a lot of people roll into is um, the opposite of what you said. They make their their two thousand dollars from their release and then they pay out like instead of rolling it into more investment. Yes. Uh, literally, I've told Andy, like, bro, we're probably not going to make money from this band for like eight years. Yeah. And like, I hope you know that. <laughs> but like when we do make money. We yeah. will have a career amount of money. Yeah. That we'll have just stable forever. Like, yeah. are you okay with that? He's like, he's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. mind because again, I don't, I don't care. I, I make my money from YouTube and Twitch and yeah. from 
you know, other shit. So. Well, and that's a big thing I talk about a lot recently um, because I've always been a broke musician forever, just like doing whatever right. odd jobs in the scene I could. And I was mixing, mastering, artwork, t-shirt designs. Like I was doing freaking everything um, yeah. forever. And now uh, since COVID, I started up a business. So I make a lot of money outside of music. Um, and so nice. it's the, it's the first time I've had money that wasn't from like a, like, the music realm and i wish right. that people would get into doing music more full-time like a little bit later in life uh yeah <laughs> so it's like you have a little more sense of financial ability and then also you have a financial situation set up so you don't rely on it 100 percent um yeah like it's and that's the thing is like even i'm saying like go into this passion first but you have to be business minded too. Like if this is, you should always be driven by passion and your love for what you're doing. Yeah. But your backing of business should not be too far behind. And I feel like so many bands just, even nowadays just neglect that. And it's, it's like, how do you expect, like, it's not just the band. It's like you open up a restaurant. If like, I don't care if you're the, if you love cooking and you're a great chef, like if you don't know how to keep the doors open, like yep. you, it shuts down. Like it's as simple as, as that. It's an, you are an entrepreneur. You're not a, even a band member at that point. Yep. You are opening up a business. You have to understand that and passion will drive it. But if you don't know how to back it with monetary value yep. or financial sense, you're, you're screwed. Like, well, yeah. Like, and you need initial investment and then you need a uh, reinvestment of stuff and so it's like you can't just make your initial investment and think that okay cool we're done like you have to yes. take your profits and reinvest like um the browning has been 100 percent self-sustaining for uh since like probably 2012 um like no man, one congrats, put that's yeah. huge. and it's just like i do handle all, all the stuff on the back end no one has to buy anything like uh everyone is all taken care of because things have been like held on we were, you know, penny pinching on tour so that because I knew after this tour, I'd have to fly everyone to Europe and I'd have to use the money from this tour to pay for that and like all this sort of crap. And um, right. people, I think, just get too much about the money. They take the money from this tour and then they go and put a down payment on a house or something and then they can't fly the band to Europe. Then the band has to all right. buy their own flights and they just screw themselves. And yeah, um, so I like what you're doing with... Um, with Termina in the sense of taking your stuff and rolling it back over anyone that hasn't watched a Mr. Beast interview about this sort of thing. Um, yes, you need to, he still at this point with how big he is, he is still reinvesting all of his money. Yeah. Well, cause yeah, you want something that's long-term. I will a million times always takes, take money later. That's sustainable than money right now. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, what's that? that and that's, that's the mantra I use with, with even my content right like it's like i'll do sponsored videos which i think are great but again when it comes to then like the industry or reaction like i know i could hit up these labels and be like yo like send me like some money to actually do this for this slot and some of them would yeah. right but i'm like i value the relationship more than just getting money from these labels and building that so then i have further opportunities to work with these bands yeah right these bands and this music and really get ingrained and 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 monetize in different ways, right? Think outside the box and monetize instead of, well, it's just like, well, this is the obvious easy money way. Let's just do it instead of opening up different opportunities and having to think outside the box to monetize those instead. 
you know, I yeah. think that's so much more important than to just, oh, let's just take money right now to the bank and go spend it on yeah. fucking partying or whatever. For sure. <laughs> and, and I think that um, for me in this type of realm from someone that's doing all sorts of different content creation like you are um, on these different platforms, I personally see like YouTube as the way to get people to other platforms that are more monetizable um, yes. uh, because YouTube has a, a algorithm that you can exploit to get a lot of attention from people, um, but mm. very difficult to monetize. But if you can, like you've done, transition that fit base to another platform that's more monetizable, I think that's like, like you said, you have to figure out other ways to monetize. And it's same with a band like you can like you can put out this music, but you have to monetize that fan base in a different way than just thinking you're going to make a bunch of money from Spotify, you know? Um, yes, exactly. And yeah, you're hundred percent right. Like I love Twitch, but the discoverability on there is not terrible. It's not there. Terrible. It's, it's, it's not there. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm like, if anyone started today, first of all, I wouldn't even say start on Twitch. I'd be like, go do TikTok and YouTube. Yeah. Easiest discoverability. Just, just grind, find something that works. You're, you'll you you won't be able to monetize TikTok if you're in Canada, that's for sure. But even if you're in the U.S., not that much. Why can't you monetize uh, it in Canada? There's no create. There's no Canadian creator fund. Like you uh, literally oh. don't get paid. Oh, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they just <laughs> they don't have anything, so that's great. They just take uh, that money and do something else with it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, or or I just I, again maybe they just don't place ads. Like it's it's yeah. weird because I've never like watched my own videos on another like when I'm not logged yeah, for in, sure. right? So like I I don't know if there's even ads on them. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's no Canadian creator fund as far as I know. Uh, I definitely don't have it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but YouTube, you you can monetize. But then again, then there's these, this copyright thing. And I made a big thing too. Like as as I got more, it's like paralleling it to like the gaming industry and how it's like, well, why can I play like an entire like playthrough of a game and like monetize that fully? Except it unless it's Nintendo. Um, <laughs> and like they're cool with it, and I can use these assets. And like there's there's like content there's 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 wow content creators there's follow content creators there's doom content creators like yeah. specifically for all these specific games and they can always monetize all their videos and it's like i i have a song in my video for five seconds and it gets claimed and they take all of my assets like i literally did a video 500 heaviest rips which was just a compilation of all of my heaviest rips yeah. i ever did um one two hour long video <laughs> 10 minutes or 10 seconds got claimed and they get the whole AdSense, and i'm like which one claimed it <laughs> yeah I just, I actually just took the song out. I just removed it. Oh, there you go. I was like, I don't even care. I was like, I don't care if this is in here anymore. Like, no, like that's, that's so ridiculous to me. It is. In sense. Yeah. And it's like, especially on something like that, you're showing the riffs, you've added your creative uh, side of it and you're literally putting it on a pedestal and they're like, ah, no, you, you just used our stuff for your own benefit. And it's like, it's freaking crazy. I I don't, I really don't get it. one point i think it's all it's past a million views now and it's just a place people go to they want to learn riffs and tuning they want to know what the tuning is so they'll be like hey yeah. I, they'll literally just come back and be like oh i want to learn a drop c tuning riff like which ones are here and then they'll hear them yeah in context and be like oh that's sick but yeah to, to your point again monetization like youtube you can mo- you can monetize and again it depends what you're into like yeah. i literally for, i didn't even know i was doing it i put myself on youtube hard mode I went into music yeah. and metal, yeah. and I didn't even realize that's some of the lowest CPM in general, just monetarily. And like, for people that don't know, tell them what CPM is. Um, it, it's such a weird direct. It, it's basically how much money advertisers will pay for that slot per thousand views. Yeah. 
for that that in like a rough sense it's weird to like specifically describe but yeah it's like per thousand views how much are advertisers willing to pay because even those ads it's not like you have coca-cola watching your videos and being like i want an ad on that it's all through youtube's google adsense algorithm yep. thing where they assign ads automatically and it's basically like auctioned off ad and it's like if if someone wants to put an ad on a video they have to say the category and based on the category you're in it might cost more based on just how much money is usually in that and how much advertisers are willing to pay yep. so for example music like the average is like which is just the small normal average is like three to four dollars cpm but like makeup can go up to like sixty dollars <laughs> <laughs> you know and like tech and finance all go way higher and then minecraft and like stuff that's safe for kids then that's like a hundred like it's it's you can get a hundred dollar cpm as far as i know yeah which just makes me laugh so you can get the same amount of views on a hundred thousand dollar video if you're in music and then there could be a makeup channel that gets a hundred thousand views and they will make 10 times more AdSense than you right. most likely like yeah. so th that's that idea it's like I, I played on hard mode. I didn't even know. I, I'm in the lowest <laughs> CPM bracket. I have to deal with copyright on everything I post, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, even sometimes original stuff, which I'm like, how? It's just misclaimed me, but it's music, so they'll try to go for it. Right. And also, it's just a niche thing because it's metal music. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't even realize that when I went into it, but I, 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 didn't, I wouldn't have cared anyways because I just love yeah, it. Yeah, you were doing it for the passion of it. And, um, yeah. Yeah, maybe the kids' videos get so much CPM because kids will actually click on an ad. Like, <laughs> I don't yes. know. Oh, it's, it's just more spending. Like, the just there's more marketing money in yeah. in that. So there's more advertisers in the kids' space. That's why Minecraft, it's family-friendly. Minecraft right. YouTubers are litty rich. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's even, again, same size. Let's say they were the same size as me. Gets the same monthly views of, like, 4 million oh my damn they would be getting a paycheck like like dumb like doctors would cry if yeah. they saw that paycheck basically um, yeah but yeah they don't cry when they see mine as much <laughs> yeah right but i mean i i think that uh you definitely are doing it to where you're becoming like a like an essential in the music industry like whenever i said i'm sitting here with the most influential person in metal like mm. i can't think of anyone else that really has more pull in the metal fan base than you currently and so i feel like there has to be a way to bridge that into something even more like do you think that um doing anything else in the metal community is like in your sites like working with a label starting a label uh managing uh, anything like that i've thought of a few things because again like it's i've built all these different things for so long and they're finally coming together and working together which I'm like, yes, like that's all what I always wanted. Like my Twitch feeds into YouTube, my my Twitch feeds into Spotify playlists, which then yeah. the labels share. Like this, this all has come together, and all my socials and even my original music feeds into all this 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 thing I've spent years building. Um, and I'm like, there's a lot of routes I know, and I'm trying to explore a lot of them. That's like why I'm I'm right now focusing a bit more on building up monthly listeners just for that like stupid on paper street cred you know in the industry yeah. like how many monthly listeners do you have it's basically your fucking resume now um so i've been focusing on that with both termina which we're about to hit a hundred thousand monthly just with this new track as well as with um nick nocturnal my solo stuff doing covers with will ramos as well as doing nick knock my trap metal project um and just trying to build that up but also knowing that all of those have the potential to kind of they have potential to blow up funny enough 
Yeah. I think the, the trap metal thing has the highest potential because it's the most different and it's the most not metal metal one of them. <laughs> right. It's a different audience. It's the trap audience and the metal audience. Right. Um, so I have my eyes on the writing side, which that's my passion. That's that that as always my biggest passion is writing music. Yeah. So that's important. And there's there's hope there. There's chance. And if it blows up, great. If not, like whatever, I'm fine doing I right. Um, and then there's the content creation side, which again, just doing focusing more on TikTok and actually making a TikTok video as well as YouTube and trying to create content and exploding up through there and seeing, well, how far can I take it, right? Like with music being the the thing in metal. Um, and seeing how far I can push it. And if you can reach that higher level, even Twitch, like, can I reach that variety big streamer level right. if you push it a specific way? Because that's the thing, like, in these spaces, except YouTube, th- these these haven't been proven yet with the music metal world. Like, Jared Dine, Stevie T, and all those guys, did they did do YouTube, which is great. And they, they showed the potential there. And I feel like they could have even gone higher. Those guys could all be at 10 million, like, if, if they kept going at, like, 100% speed, which they probably would have burnt out, though. Right? Yeah. Um, but it hasn't been done on Twitch at all. Like it, other than like, again, Matt Heafy and like Herman Lee and like Ronnie Radke, which they all do their respective things. They're all in bands though. They're not like content creator first, then band. They're band first and then content creator. And they do it great, but they still haven't even reached that. You know, they haven't reached that variety thing. So it hasn't been proven even on TikTok. Like Andrew Bain is probably the closest one that's gotten there. And he's almost at like a million on TikTok. Right. Yeah. So I see the potential there, but it still hasn't been proven. So I'm also pushing that. And then I'm also pushing tying in with the content creator and then getting the cred from actually building the numbers with my own music in the industry side of yeah. being the dude that just every band, even the big bands with that, that have new releases wants to bring their guests on, like almost being a host. And I've yeah. actually done a few hosting things. Coheed and Cambria had an event in New York. They flew me out, paid me. And I was able to host a, an event, you know, things like that. And I was like, okay, this is new. Um, <laughs> and my, on Twitch, Friday night streams, every time I have a new guest. And this fall, people are going to lose their shit at who I have with that in the yeah. industry. Because it's, and again, it's, it's the perspective of people like, well, how Nick, Nick, how do you get those guests? It's not too complex at, when I dissect it for people. It's like, well, we have a thousand concurrent viewerships usually. When, when, when we're live on Fridays, checking out all these new bands and st- new music with a guest. Um, I ask for an hour of the guest time, right? An hour of the guest time. I make sure that, first of all, number one prior for me is that they have a good time, that they're comfortable, they're having fun, that they leave and tell their manager that was awesome. That's yeah. number one for me. And I'm like, give me an hour of their time. They're live. We're checking out their new release in front of a thousand plus live concurrent, meaning live right there viewers at least sometimes it goes to 2000 if we're front page it goes to 15000 where else are you going to get a better value for an hour of your artist's time that's basically what i do yeah and they don't usually have an answer so no. they're like okay <laughs> yeah i mean the 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 press days are uh, are so annoying that get set up and again this is just about the industry lagging behind like um like I did a whole press day for the new album and I sat there for like freaking 12 hours back to back, like 15 to 30 minute, like radio things. Right. Um, and then I go and I'd look up like after the fact, I'm like, okay. And a lot of times these people are doing so many of these, they literally don't know freaking squat about me or the band or anything because they're just doing so much. And, um, 
I go and look it up and these people like their radio station has like literally like 47 likes on Facebook, you know? Right. right. And it's like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I not, um, you know, sitting there and hanging out with Rocksmith streamers or something that have like 300 on the Nick Knox. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) And so it's like that. It's just goes to the labels lagging behind in this stuff. And, uh, are a lot of those, um, guests that you have on are they set up from you like personal interaction with the guests like them reaching out or are you reaching out to them or is it through labels and prs so it's uh it's a mixture right and that's the thing also i don't have a manager like i've always done this solo dole i don't have any of that stuff i just now got pr yeah um recently because i've worked on the other end of pr where pr came to me <laughs> right for new releases and their guests. And I was like, oh, well, I really like working. I really like working with all of them. But then Nikki um, is, is great. And I was like, well, how would I actually hire you to work for me in that sense? And like getting my stuff out there during the rollouts, which has been great too. But um, yeah, it's, it's always usually been through just networking. And again, tying to the idea of I value networking and making relationships, like friends and relationships with people in the industry way more than, hey, pay me a quick buck for this. Yeah. So through that, I'm able to be like, okay, I'll do this for you. Like, that's fine. Like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do this. Or like, yeah, like I got a slot for the band. No problem. Just whitelist. Um, and then I'm like, hey, like those videos did really well. Like, um, you know, whether it's through PR or through management or through label. And sometimes through the band, it depends if I know them already. And like, I just basically, if I have them on Instagram and they follow me back, I'll just ask them. Yeah. <laughs> it's very simple. Um, and uh, I'm like, yeah, well, and I'll give them the same description an hour of their time, you know, usually a thousand plus concurrent viewers. Sometimes we can front page it, you know, we check out their release like and we make sure they have fun. Right. You know, I'm, it's very simple description. It's not ambiguous. Yeah. It's like this is what we do. And usually they'll be like, OK, and they'll plan it and they'll put it on press day. And it's as simple as that. Like they just they again, they see the value it brings that they don't have to do any work for. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, this is free marketing okay yep and so yeah it's 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 a mixture of all those but it, it, a lot more recently it has just been going especially because it's bigger guests just going through the pr and the labels i work with and the management i've i work with that send me stuff and want me to keep an eye on stuff that want me to collaborate with their artists yeah for sure yeah i mean i think it's a good place to be and i mean i even think um in the podcast realm too i don't think that there's a i think there's an open uh, void for the metal community like jamie josta does it but he's only yeah. talking with like slayer and freaking you know anthrax you know he's talking with these big big heads i think there's a massive realm open in the podcasting realm or the twitch realm or literally all of it to have people take over that corner of the market um mm-hmm. and so Will ramos on which was a good show though yeah. oh did he yeah. Yeah. And Will's, I mean, Will's, Will's such a good dude. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've heard, I haven't interacted with him personally, but I mean, you can just tell in his videos, he's being genuine. He's funny. He's just, he's a perfect yes. personality, young and excited. Like, that's good to see yes. in the realm of bitter old dudes playing metal, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so it's really nice to see like a personality like him um, doing this stuff. And he's full taking advantage of, the internet side of things with being a good personality on Instagram and TikTok yes. and everything. And so he's really doing it right. Um, just naturally, but that's like, he might be the first like all star of the modern world in the metal scene. Uh, like yes. the, a modern day Ronnie Radke. Um, so mm, yeah. I think he has that potential. Um, 
and it's just good to see him being who he is and not being too serious. And that's, I think, something missing, like hardcore, is people that aren't yeah. being so freaking serious. Yeah, that are just good at what they do, but are fun and like confident, and you know their their personality is contagious. You know, right. like it's like I can't call Will and like he not be like he him not give me a smile because he's just saying some random shit or like <laughs> has all this energy, and I'm like you know I'm like I'm like sitting here and I got to call him and it's like and he's just like dude what's up and he's like so stoked I'm like yeah You're good dude man <laughs> yeah definitely yeah it's really good to see. Um, and I, I think that that sort of personality is what need to be brought back into the scene. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I kind of miss like whenever bands were a lot more jokey. Um, right, but right. I don't I don't necessarily like stuff that's like a gimmick a lot of times. Like I was never really into stuff like I wrestled the bear once or horse the band that was like such a obvious gimmick. But it's just mm-hmm. nice to see like fun personalities coming out like. You might have a fun video every, a fun music video every so often or something, but um, the that's where I think the internet shines in the new age of Instagram and creators and like uh, influencers uh, really takes advantage. Like, like Will can be just a freaking metal music influencer if he wanted to. Yeah. He, he doesn't have to be a musician. He could just be a straight up influencer. Um, at this yeah, point, probably make more money too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you definitely make a lot more money. Too. Yeah, and so I think that that would be great to see in the modern world, like that transition into the metal side of things. Um, because, like you said, uh, a lot of this monetization and stuff has been done in the gaming realm and just like the vlog realm for all this time, but nothing in the metal realm has there been like just a straight up influencer that gets paid like an influencer, gets treated like an influencer. Um, in the metal world, it doesn't exist yet. Yeah, like like Jared's for the closest one, I think that got yeah, there definitely, um, and and did it right. And even he, he doesn't post much anymore. You know, it's that's he did his thing. Well, the um, the burnout is is real. Like <laughs> with oh, yeah. with almost anything like this, whether it's um, videos, you know, Patreon podcasts, like it's very easy to get burnt out. And so, what have you done that? has kind of kept you with the consistent posting that has made it to where you're not burnt out yet. Hello, listener. Look down at your shirt. You're probably wearing a pretty cool shirt, but definitely not as cool as if it was a browning shirt. Head over to thebrowning.net slash merch and click on the link to go to our fixed merch store. We have over 30 designs on that with all sorts of different stuff. We have a brand new logo. We use the same logo for like 11 years. Now we have a really sick, cool, modern metal band looking logo with some really sick metal designs uh that i've paid a lot of money for really good designs and uh yeah you definitely be wearing a cool shirt if you went to the browning.net slash merch and picked up a shirt off of our merch store i'd really appreciate it and let's get back into the episode uh the variety stuff it's 100 percent. like the fact that i am i know everyone's like nick you're crazy how do you do all these different things and i'm like i need to right <laughs> because i get i got bored like if i still like i did burn out like when i just did youtube and just did guitar covers like i was like this i burned out it's as simple as that um and i didn't want that to happen i've never really taken a break from youtube because i can keep going and there's been some times where i do get a little burnt out but then i'm like well why am i forcing myself to do this type of video this week or do this thing when i'm like not feeling it i'm like let's just do something fun and funny enough those experimental fun things i try usually do better than anything else i do yeah i'm like okay well 
and, and that's again it's it's growing this whole sphere of like even instagram like all these socials to me like bands think of them as chores i think of them as fun content like yeah. opportunities like i'm not like instagram oh i only have to make go on here to make sure people know i'm alive i'm like this is my creative outlet for a funny picture yeah that's aesthetically pleasing right like I can't do that on YouTube. I can't do that on Twitch. Right? Like this is the only place I can kind of right. do that at that it's for. So I do that. Um, and then, and I sometimes copy, do copy paste it on Facebook. Cause I don't really care about Facebook. Um, yeah. and then Twitter is its own thing. I'm like, how do I do the most basic bitch take on here? That's funny <laughs> and relatable. Right. It's like an art form, you know, in itself. And I'm like, that's what drives me. It's, it's a creative, it's a creative outlet. Like yeah. Twitch is different than YouTube to me. TikTok's different than both of those. And For sure. having that variety, not just within the platforms themselves of what I do, but also cross-platform having that variety is what makes it exciting, is what keeps me from burning out. And plus also, like I and if I get burnt out of content creation, like I'll go write music. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right? And so just so like having all these things. Oh, for sure. Like just variation in general makes it to where you're not just on this like daily grind, like you're at a desk job. Um yes. Now for me, like I I am very much in that realm that you just said of it feels like a mm-hmm. chore, social media. Like I really struggle with it. And um right. I streamed on Twitch for it was like five or six years. Um, I was like, dude, I know, man. Like, you, you're OG with that, <laughs> shit, dude. Yeah, and I, I loved it. To me, that was one of the funnest times, just because I was not only writing Browning music, but I was also writing random songs every day. And uh, right. then I was listening to music while playing RuneScape, all that sort of crap. But uh, nonetheless, that was fun because it, I was doing personal interaction. I was doing that. To me, like, it's mm-hmm. a chore for me to just get on and post a picture of myself on YouTube, but that's where it comes in or not YouTube, but Instagram. That's where it right. comes in. The personalities. Like I said, you're funny. Like you can, you, uh, you know, to a degree, I'm going to keep saying to a degree. Uh, uh yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so the, like you're funny to a degree and you're able to have this, uh, that personality be there. But like for me, like I don't personally take pictures of myself or want to, I just want to, like I tell my wife all the time, if I could quit doing everything and I could sit in a cabin and write music, that's all I want to do. Like that, right. that's ideally the only thing I want to do, but that's just not possible. And so like I have to be on all these platforms and it's very difficult for me to want to do it. But I think you are looking at it from the right perspective of um, like each one, is its own individual like air quotes art form. Um, yeah. And like what's funny on TikTok might not be funny on the YouTube shorts or, you know, oh, yeah. vice versa. And so it's like, I think you're looking at it from the right perspective and especially for what you do, it does feel essential. Like, and, but it's essential for bands at this stage to also be on that. But I think I'm like, I think I'm too far gone. Uh, <laughs> like I just want to be, I just want to write music and that's it. And well, that's the thing too is you can tie writing and music to a lot of those, yeah. And like make it fun, like even on like that's the thing. That's a, you, you, I love that you do the Browning because like you you also like you know beats like how to make beats and right. production and stuff, right? That in itself, even if it's not a metal context, like goes huge on TikTok. Like yeah. telling yourself like, hey, making like an electro DDR definitely doom style beat in one minute, you know, and you sit there and you want it to do it anyways because let's say you're just writing True. a new Browning song and you needed a beat anyways. You just film it, cut it together, 
like those videos get like tens of millions True. of views sometimes. Yeah, and TikTok, you know what I mean. That's something that I've I've been talking about with my wife uh, of needing to do that sort of thing um, because again, like we've been talking about this whole time, it's playing into your personality. Like my personality, I want to sit there and write music, so why not film that and upload it? Um, yes, exactly. And like I I had a problem where. I I was trying to diversify my crap like way too much. Whenever I was doing Twitch content, um, mm. I was not only doing the music stuff, but I was also trying to be, you know, I was doing competitive uh, like FPS games. I was also doing like competitive Rocket League. I was doing all this crap. I wasn't focused on like one set thing. And like you said, you want to be that metal like how can you become uh, the size of a variety streamer on Twitch with metal as the focus? Or how can you be a big, yeah. how can you be a big TikToker with metal as the focus? Like I was too broad. I was trying to do too that's, much different that's stuff. That's the thing. It's important to experiment and have the variety. Cause also you might find something you really like. Like yeah. a lot of people, even in my sense, don't know that I grew up a gamer, arguably more than a musician. Yeah. Like, oh, you can tell. I love video games. Look when at I was you. younger. Like I still play <laughs> wow and shit. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, I would have, I, especially, plus there's more CPM and money in gaming. Jeez, yeah. I really screwed that up. Um, <laughs> but even with that, is variety is important, but you have to understand how building that variety catalog and content bleeds back and synergizes all together. Yeah. Right. Even in a bigger picture, like gaming and music can synergize because it does synergize. There's yep. gaming and music go together well. But it has to be in a way that makes sense in this bigger picture of, let's say you stream, and a lot of musicians do stream gaming only on um, Twitch because yep. they're like, you know, they'll be like, okay, I'll come on Twitch because no one, I don't know what else to do. And then people just say, well, just game, you know, whatever. You're going to yeah. do it anyways. And then they do it and sometimes they just get bored and burnt out because they're like, I don't even want to do this anymore. And they're like, that's fair enough, right? Yep. But they there is a synergy there. They just have to look at it at the respect of how to synergize and what game to play. Like, I will, one of my funnest videos I ever did, you know the game Punk-O-Matic? Yep, I love that game. Okay. I grew up playing that game. Yep. So I went back to it and I was streaming. I was like, you know what would be really fun? This is, it's a video game, technically. right? I was like, <laughs> right. let's play Punk-O-Matic and try to write a metalcore song in 2022. Did that on Twitch. Great stream. Super fun. Very engaging. More viewers than normal. And then I also put it on YouTube. Like, as if it was seamless. It's, it's technically me playing a video game. I right. should have gotten video game CPM for that, actually. Um, but it was under music category. So, and it did great. It, it has 500,000 views. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. It's synergy. Now, let's say I went on Twitch and I played WoW instead, right? Like, Wrathalicia is yep. coming. Let's say I did that. That has zero synergy to what I'm doing. Uh -huh. it, the stream would be one quarter of the numbers. I couldn't translate it to YouTube. It's not happening. It's just right. not. And then there's some things like that which you have to accept. That's just me time. And that's fine, right? Yeah. But there are some synergies of things you'll do naturally because, again, you're a consumer of lover of metal. That's your audience a lot of the times. So if people will relate if you are doing fun things that are you're curious of. And that's my perspective when I'm streaming a lot, even if it is more like out there and wacky and variety. Yeah. I'm like... This is weird, but I'm intrigued as a metalhead, even <laughs> yeah. though this isn't really metal. Let's see if other people feel that way or if I'm just a fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. sometimes it, they, it, I'm just a weirdo. 
And sometimes it does hit like really, really, really well. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm glad I tried that. But that's because, again, it has that synergy that builds the bigger picture of how it all feeds into the same. I am a metal content creator, yep. basically. Yeah. That's what I am. Yeah. And I, I learned that, too. And kind of what I was doing, I was um, basically no one wanted to watch my freaking crap unless if there was music playing. Like, so right. like. I'm I'm really really good at Counter Strike and games like that, but you can't listen to music while playing Counter Strike. Um, right, right, right. And you hear the footsteps exactly. Dude. And so it's like uh, I'd be you know playing like top tier Counter Strike, but I would have zero viewers because none of my people cared. So like for me, how I had to do that synergy if I was doing gaming, which I would play RuneScape and do song requests, and that mm. that's what worked for me. And so. Like you said, figuring out what works best for you, like I, and works best for what your fan base is there for in the first place. And so I think you're yeah. doing it right. Uh, I mean, even all your Instagram posts with you standing in a shower with a guitar, you know, it, <laughs> it's still there. Yeah. Like, and or you're you're a picture of you next to a fountain and you quote. Uh, uh, bullet from a valentine well, yeah. that, that's the th i'm not as self-obsessed as people might think from my thing it's just for from like my content it's the it's just that i realized early on my brand is partially me yeah and i'm like for sure okay i guess i gotta play into this you know it's like so that's fine like i i and i noticed like i i don't i wouldn't dare do a youtube video where i probably am not in the thumbnail <laughs> like it's yeah. just, you know what i mean it's just people won't like my audience won't know that they won't click as much even if the content's yeah. just because they're so used to seeing my dumbass face <laughs> which again like trust me i could live nicely for two years never having to turn my camera on yeah. and doing still content like i would love that if yeah. anything because like in less setup right it's easier definitely um, but same thing with that like instagram content like i wish i could just share a meme and you know that doesn't have me involved but it's just again i made that a part of my brand a while ago so i'm like all right like yep. i gotta kind of play into that you are the meme I am the exactly. I am the meme, and I'm totally fucking cool with that. Like yeah. I love blending that and blending it in different ways and content-wise, and even doing things like I've always had the struggle between like, am I a guitar content creator or am I like a metal content creator? Like, mm -hmm. On the content creator side, because like I'm a musician, I like writing music and all that, but I'll always even now I'm perceived like, oh, it's Nick the reactor guy. Right. Whatever you can. People can think of me in whatever category. Just watch my videos and leave a like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really fucking care otherwise. Yeah. Um, but even that's like I just did a video with Emmanuel, who's a math rock dude, math rock, emo, Midwestern, whatever. Like the whole Chica, Polyphia, that stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, which has nothing to do with metal. But those worlds have an overlap because all the kids doing that stuff are metalheads. Right. Yep. And you can kind of hear it, even though it's this pretty music. And it's so funny. I have like, a few math rock videos that have like one of them has like 950,000 views on my channel and I'm not a math rock guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, but it has that weird overcross synergy where a metalhead will watch that and still appreciate it. And same thing I'm doing with Nick knock my trap metal stuff like metal, like trap is anti-metal. It goes <laughs> against every single value metalheads have yeah. like the basis of what people think is trap as, you know, money, bitches, cars and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> um, but even that, like blending that and just taking it, though, from the metalhead perspective and that video, my last Nick Knock one, got double the views permanented. Really? Thing that, yes, in one day, Nick Knock got 120,000 views yep. and Terminator got 60 or 70. 
And <laughs> how's that make right you feel? Now, depressed, but also <laughs> um, it's 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 cool. It's exciting. It's weird, right? It's like yeah, it's like oh wow, like this. Th- there is ways to branch out and still satisfy my audience. Like I'm surprised when I upload Nick Knox stuff or or weird stuff and math rock stuff that my likes don't go from like whatever ninety nine percent average to like fifty. Right. It's it goes to like ninety seven, and I'm like. Why don't you hate this more? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but it's it just it has that synergy, I guess. And it's that perspective, again, as me as a metalhead first and a lover yeah. of that, looking into all these different spears, what's my take on them? That's how the metal community comes with me on it. Right. Yeah. Now they're able to relate. And so I, it's, I think that Trap is a, a good crossover in a sense because the energy that it has, um, especially yes. in the live setting. Are you going to do any shows as Nick Knock? I don't know. Like I went, I'm never going to tour. Like I'm just not going to do it. Why? Bring in jail because it's just like I don't have, can't take a day away. I can't yeah. take a day away. Meanwhile, you don't think weeks. you could do content on tour? Hell no. What Hell, you can st- streaming and entertaining? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not happening. Right. Um. But like, if it was like, yo, like, there's a band that rolls in, is gonna roll into Toronto, and they need some stupid SoundCloud trap dude, like, and they want me to open, like, yo, I'll fucking go open, like. Well, I'll trap people do fly-in dates, man. They just yeah, yeah, they'll, that, yeah. they'll go do a festival in Chicago, fly home for a week. Next Saturday, fly out to, uh, you know, Dallas, fly home. Yeah, I get it. It depends, man, because I don't. It's. As I t- talked earlier, it's like my schedule is like this. Every day is stacked, and when one of my day gets deleted, days get deleted for whatever reason, my next day is screwed, which then screws up <laughs> the day after that, yeah. which then screws up the week after that. Like it's 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 dominoes, yeah. Right? How how it works, which sucks, but it's how I have it set up now, and I'm starting to ease up a little bit on some of these things and having more space. Like I used to upload five days a week on YouTube. Now I'm like three, yeah, right. And even that, people are like, "You're insane." Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, well, so, yeah, so you're right now like fully independent, like you're doing this crap yourself and you said you just got PR, but like, are you avidly not wanting help from people? Oh, I love help. So I like, like a manager wise, like, uh, yeah. I'm sure people have approached you. Yes. I don't want a manager. Why is I, that? I'm the manager. I'm, I'm my manager. It's, it's as simple as I know what is best for me in in these specific cases and what I can do and what's realistic for me, even if I might not have the education or, or higher up knowledge or experience as a manager. Yeah. I know that they will never be more invested in what I do with my life than I will. Be. Yeah. No, and I, that's something I say to bands all the time. Um, and one reason that I, um, self-produced this last record, hundred percent myself, I've, I couldn't mm. go to a studio anymore and have the person not freaking give a crap about what's happening. Like, right. um, like you will care more about your stuff than anyone else will. And so, yes. um, just like from a manager perspective, like obviously no one knows what you need more than you currently. Like, cause you're also, uh, on the forefront of this realm. Like you are the, the dude for it so it's like i would be hard-pressed to think a manager would be able to push you to a a level bigger than what you currently are um yeah and so and also it's like it's not that i'm closed off to to knowledge i actually it's so funny i love all of the benefits of experience and knowledge but i get to scratch that itch by having meetings with managers and labels and pr and 
that the difference is people will go on meetings with them and then they'll talk like really quickly and want to leave because they're busy. I will straight up clock out my whole day to talk to these people because <laughs> to me, it's basically a free marketing business class mm -hmm. that I don't have to pay for that I get to learn yeah. so much about how things work that I never knew before. And I get to talk with these people and actually relate to them and understand how this works. So even if a meeting is like 20 minutes, like if it goes off for three hours, like I'll sit there and enjoy every minute of it because yeah. I'm just learning all these things. Like a lot of, you know, it's knowledge, which I, that's something that's very important to me is learning and talking with people in that sense and, and gaining knowledge and understanding. Because I, I'm not, I'm the opposite. I don't think I know everything. I yeah. Hell no. I think I, I know shit. But when it comes to, let's say, hiring someone that then controls the direction, yeah. that's where I'm like, no, I'm, I'm steering the ship, but you're giving me the, some coordinates here and there. And you're, you're, you're telling me, you know, how to do things, how to, how to work on, how to get where I want to go. But that's the big thing is I want to be the one steering the ship 100% yep. with no resistance. But I think at some point you could probably offload some tasks, right? I could, but I, in the music industry, I've, I've lost faith <laughs> in some, some people's abilities to get shit done. Yeah, definitely. I would get shit done. That's, yep. yeah, and, and so that's something I'm, I'm working on currently. Cause like, I run multiple businesses and then also do all this stuff on the side. And I have a right. problem passing off tasks to other people because I'm like, well, I could just do it like, right, and, right. and I'll do it right now rather than <laughs> waiting on someone else to maybe do it today. And, uh, and you also learn while you do it too. That's something I valued as a content creator, like having to learn like, Oh, you need to do a video. Well, I could have just got someone to always edit my videos, but no, I need, I want to learn how yeah. to do all this because it also makes me a better content creator yeah like it makes me understand this like that's also a big thing that was always that just again so important is doing it because i want to gain the knowledge i don't yeah. like even if i don't have time to i'm like god damn like i'll i'll take the time and i'm like okay well i need this knowledge to understand to help benefit me with everything else i'm doing definitely right? yeah and I, I think that all that's really important like i've said i've always done like all sorts of crap like i'm i'm capable of creating everything in the realm and that's because i've always done the stuff myself like I was making right. lyric videos for us, you know. I was doing that oh, stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, shit. In the early, early days, and but like, like the uh, what was it called? The second album, high, high. I always forget it. Hypernova. Hypernova. There you go. Was that one? Okay. All sorts of stuff. So I've I've always been involved in doing all this stuff myself because I did want to learn. But like in my current state of like, you know, I have daughter, I have you know wife, where we travel full time, all this, and so like for me, it's been very helpful. My boy Lunchbox. Um, he's, he's helping me run a lot of day-to-day -day stuff, um, that like, I just can't simply like, if I don't have to worry about that, that thing, then it, it's a yes. big benefit to me. Um, but currently from your realm, I mean, uh, you think that you're, you're, and you're able to handle all this, like all good. It sounds like you got it dialed in pretty well. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing I've. I've pushed myself so far past when you're supposed to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it comes to, you know, taking on new things and new projects that I've I've gone to the very depths of take of, of being the yes man and taking it way too far and yeah. knowing how far I can actually push before I'm like, I I'm messed up right now. Like it's not okay. Like <laughs> I, I went too much with saying yes and doing opportunities. Right. That because I reached there, 
I know where like my sweet spot is basically of like, because even now, like before I'd be like any new opportunity to do this or to do this or do this collab. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I'm like, no, I'm, you know, I know where I can handle this, where everything, the ship runs smoothly and everything makes sense while I'm still taking on the most important opportunities that I need to focus on yep. um, with my capacity. But yeah, like, I mean, I've thought about even like, hey, maybe I should get an editor for my YouTube videos and stuff like that. And it would make my life easier. Um, and then there's logistics of like, well, sometimes I upload the same day and it's tough like that. But even on my like Twitch clips channel, for example, um, I don't run that at all. That's fully my Twitch editors, my Twitch mods. Okay, um, so. Because I, I literally said, who here of my mods when they were all there, who wants to own, an, the, who wants to do this? Like, here's a great idea of the Clips channel. This should exist already. Which one of you want to do this, but actually do it, like not half-ass it? You will get all the AdSense. I don't even fucking care. There you go. And, and you'll get incredible content because it's just me. You're just putting it together. And they, my, my boys, Frost and Caleb, stood up and they're like, we're going to do this. And since then... They've grown that within one year, that channel to 60,000 subscribers, I think. Yeah. And, mo and some videos get more vid views than my channel. There it's you go. Fully them editing. And how I benefit from that is obviously my brand and then people yeah. will follow me on Twitch. Exactly. Right? So I'm like, I don't care. And they get paid. They get paid more than they do at their actual day jobs <laughs> doing that. <laughs> right. That sense. And I'm like, that makes me so happy. Yeah, that's that it. They have this incentive to get paid and I don't have to put in any additional work right yeah you're and taking it as a like you're not making that money but you're also gaining a lot of visibility oh huh, yeah a lot of visibility and also twitch you know viewerships which then i can again it's always the monetize in different ways definitely right? i rather monetize in in different unique ways than just be like all right guys well i'm gonna take your incentive away and just fucking take all the money here and like i'll give you like peanuts <laughs> from it right like no i i want them to feel invested everyone i work with in every capacity i want them to feel invested in what we're working with together and not just like a simple like okay well you know here and then bye yeah exactly right? um I, yeah i want them to feel like they have stake in what's happening so yeah that's that's a big motivator in building small teams like that is how i've gotten gotten through some things you know that otherwise i'd be like damn i'd have to do this myself but yeah. like since day one my youtube you see an upload you see a thumbnail you 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 see me talk to you on instagram on facebook on you know it's that's me man thank you <laughs> it's just it's all me doing that shit. And so um, just like I, one thing I've always thought about like throughout my career is like, okay, what's the what's the real job that I can get or that I could have one day if this all doesn't pan out? You know, like if right. I, I just always thinking about, okay, well, you know, I could maybe a travel agent, you know, maybe I could be, right, right. you know, it's <laughs> crap like that. And so uh, at some point, if this burns out for you or whatever, um, like, what do you think is the applicable like career path that this could have leaned you to, or do you have like any thoughts like that at all? Um, that's the thing is because this career path involves so many different things. Yeah. Like technically I know video editing, yeah. which is hilarious. Like I never went to school for that <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> or anything. I never took a course in my life. I know marketing incredibly well. I know digital marketing. I know digital design. I know how to design things. I know how to utilize Photoshop very yep. well, right? It's like all these things you know, you start to learn that you're like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Um, I know how to do um, advertisements yep. because of sponsored videos, right, and, and all that. I know how to do tech-related tech things 
to a point because of setting up streaming and yep. setting up YouTube. I know how to work SEO. Like these are all career paths in their own, right? Yep. Where I'm like, even though those won't be my number one choices, I utilize all these things and can build off them. But mainly, again, it would probably be like, let's say I couldn't be a content creator. Um, or again, it depends. Like if I'm not a content creator, well, then I would just be a con, uh, uh, something in the music industry. Maybe I'd, yep. I'd try to be a manager. Like everything I do is manage myself. I understand how to manage someone. I understand what they need. Yep. Right. Maybe I try to work in PR again, marketing side. Um, but other than that, then it's like, well, if I'm not a musician, well, then I try to be a content creator in a different space. And if I can't be a content creator or a musician in any capacity, then, yeah, I, I could work any of those digitally related jobs. I'd yeah. probably work in marketing in some capacity, um, you know, something business related that's creative. Yeah. I need something business related that's creative to make my brain excited. Yeah. That's all I know. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I, then that's something that I, I love about the about this realm and doing stuff like from the ground up. Um, like I'm right there with you. I've every tour flyer you've seen the Brownings ever had of us headlining. Like I've designed it. Like I've done. Oh, that's sick. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've done so much crap on the back end that I've learned all this stuff and you've, you've done the same thing. And so it's like it, even from the perspective of someone that's like, I want to get into that, but like, you know, it's not going to make any money and it'd be pointless. Like you've said for like in this whole conversation of like, you learned a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge of just being involved. Like even if someone didn't make a ton of money off of YouTube and then they were just like done, like if they put a lot of effort into it and really learned that there's so many applicable career paths and things that you can do to be able to, um, use those skills gained. And so it's cool that you're looking at it from that perspective and doing it so much yourself just sets you up to be able to um, be more secure in it because I, I also struggle relying on anybody to do anything. Um, yeah, I think it's important to want to want to learn too, though, mm -hmm. with that, right? It's like I, a lot of people I talk to that I like, let's say I do need to hire them for something are sometimes shocked um, how much, how curious I am. Yeah, with what they do like even I have to hire them. So I'm like, huh, how did you do this? Like, I'll, you know, I don't want to annoy them. I'll just be like a simple question here and there. Yep. Um, and they don't get that usually. They'll never <laughs> get that. They're just used to getting hired for the job. And then the dude, you know, pays them or annoys them for 10 years of how they shouldn't <laughs> pay them the amount, you know, because yeah. that's how it goes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I'm the op I'm the opposite. I'm there like asking them like a question like, huh, how do you do that? Oh, that's curious. Like I've, I've yeah. dabbled in things like that. I never thought of it that perspective. Like, the want to learn, I think, is very important, which yeah. is so ironic because I hated school yep, so same. much. And that's hated why I did learning. Yeah, school needs a reformation of like actually teaching people something they want so it can benefit them. 100%. Yes. <laughs> thousand percent. Yeah, I, I want to actually ask you because, like, like I said, I've been a fan of Brownie since you guys did, uh, did your first album. Yeah. And it's like, it's so cool hearing that, that and you guys coming up with that, like this heavy electronic bass music during that time, which again, Crab Court was still like pretty yeah. hot and like it was like electronic meme music that was working <laughs> yeah but you guys were doing like electronic serious right. heavy music and it was much heavier than any of the crab core shit yeah right? um and going on for all the years staying true to that and well, what made you made you go through that grind because like i right. loved it every time there's a new browning release i am absolutely stoked because i'm like I know I'm going to get something good in the vein of what this band sounds like, but it's also going to be different, but also evolved in a good way that stays true to why I still love probably the first record. Like, yeah. how'd you guys keep to that? Cause that's, that's not many bands do that. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I think that 
um, a big part of that is the fact that um, like I started the Browning as a solo project on MySpace when I was like 14. So, okay. Gotcha. And so it was uh, pretty much the entire time there's been members rotating in and out that will take part in writing, but I would say a good 98% of the music has been written by me like the entire time. Um, right. And that's guitars, drums, synths, vocals, you know, everything. Gotcha. And so for me, my thought with the Browning, um, and why I've always stayed so true to it, because we've had different managers, labels, all this stuff that wanted to experiment in different ways to push the sound to a bigger sound. But like, to me, what always drives me to keep that exact same sound pretty much was that the Browning is the only band in the world that has it. And so if I change that, right. then that there's a void of that music existing. Um, like, because there are people that involve synths and there's people that involve like techno parts, but not to the tone, uh, like the mm -hmm. the dark, heavy tone that the Browning has, and then also not to the extent. It's never 100% of the time like it is with the Browning. And so I really, to me, I had to keep that going, uh, that sound, because I literally felt like an obligation to the world of music to right. be the person creating that and so well it's a great blend that's the thing like we're, it's it because it's so much energy in every song like it's it's a club banger <laughs> but it's also you know a mosh banger yeah and so like, my thought on that was i was like way into uh ddr and um right. step mania whenever i was young and so but the style of dance music particularly that i was into was called hard style which is like the hardest yeah. fastest dance music um and so, but I was also listening to like Hatebreed, Asley Dying, Amon Marth, And so Got you, yeah, yeah. I wanted to have the highest energy dance music with the highest energy metal and put them together. And also hard style as a dance music has the darkest melodies. That's there's, nice. there's no other dance music that uses as dark and evil and sinister of like melodies as hard style. And so mm -hmm. it just lends itself to it. Like it uses this very similar melodies and has very similar tempos and energy. And so that's what, what I really wanted to do. And I wanted to be the band that had the most electronics in it and, and never, never like relent on that at all. And, um, right. yeah, I, I'm, I think though that one thing that really had it hold true to the sound is that like, I was pretty much the sole writer the entire time. Um, gotcha. and, um, I think that it's important to have, uh, like kind of a master mind vision of what it should be rather like yeah. a lot of bands rotate members a ton. And if everyone's inputting their stuff, like it's going to sound a lot different per member. Yeah. Do and, you, do you, I, I was, I was always curious about this. Cause like, like I said, you guys came in with this really unique, like I always called it electronic core, but you guys yep. always like did your own thing, right? Like the crab core bands weren't doing that, but the crab core bands were Mimi. So they were the yeah. ones getting like the big crazy right. views and getting, you know, all that stuff. Well, you guys were just doing your thing again, still doing definitely super well, but like, again, it wasn't like that meme viral MySpace shit, yeah. right? Which was going on. Do you guys, and, but nowadays it seems like electronics are back ever since doom really. And yeah. like it being its thing. Do you almost feel like you guys were a little too like early, like you with 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 right. that? Because it feels like now, if anything, is the perfect time for the Browning, like right. the style you guys have made over these years to like literally just king shit and just dominate the scene. It's hard for me to 
listen to some of the really popular music that can come out right now and not right. feel like semi bitter. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Um, right. And so it's, it's really hard to listen to some of it and not, not be like, dang, like that sounds like the Browning from like eight years ago. But right. um, I 100%, uh, the, okay, not 100%. So there's a couple things I attribute it to. Because um, I think about this a lot, uh, a lot more than, you know, I should mentally for my well-being. Gotcha. But uh, so really, I think the one of the problems is uh, the biggest issue, I think, is the name. Uh, okay. Like, I think that the name is something that is not cool to the average person. Um, and the name to a lot of people sounds like a joke but the music is very much not a joke. And right. so I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there for some people. Um, a lot of people don't even think about the name, uh, but I think a lot of people yeah. do. Um, it's not a cool name. You can just have on a shirt and be like, yo, this is awesome. Like, so right. a lot of shirt designs, I even put the name kind of like off to the side or really small, oh, you know? Okay, okay. And so I can have a cool shirt design that doesn't say this stupid word on it. Um, <laughs> and so, um, I really think the name is a big time issue. And then also, um, image wise, I was, this is actually a new realization that I, I started coming to image wise. It's this really unique sound with a really, un like no other band has the energy of the Browning live. I'll just say that. Like, I'm very proud. I've seen you guys live. That's, I can attest to that. I, I'm very true. proud of the Browning's energy live, both musically. And then also me as like a front man. Um, right. it's what I think I'm best at. Um, but we have this really unique sound, but we just look like a metal band on stage. So again, I, I, I think there's a disconnect still. Like, I think that there mm. is an issue of, um, like name and music, not aligning. And then also mm. image and music, not aligning. Um, mm. and so that's something that I've really been contemplating recently about all of that. Um, because I think that if all of those things aligned in one, like, I don't want to say the Brownie would be the biggest band in the world, but <laughs> I think it would be uh, much more uh, appealable on a mass up. scale. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's a couple misalignments, and that's something that, you know, when you've been in the career for 12 years and kind of seen and analyzed the crap of, like, why is... Like, why is Attack Attack seen as the, like, main band that started this electronic core stuff when I was doing right. the exact same Browning music, like, six years before that, you know? Right. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like, um, and so, yeah, it's something I think about a lot. And I do think it's that, that, that those things are what it is. There's um, a mismatch on some fronts. Okay. Have you thought, are you, I mean, obviously you guys just released your album. Have you thought, like is there thoughts going into whatever you guys write next and in, in the sense of like, is there maybe a name change? Is there like an image change? Is there any adapting in specific ways that you're like, that might do that? Or, so I've yeah. been, I've been looking for the moment to do a name change since like the first, like since the second album. Um, oh, shit. Okay. And so I've been like contemplating that forever. It's always on my mind. Like, is now the time? Is now the time? Mm -hmm. um, but every single time, like 
the Browning all it, it does really well live. Um, we draw a lot of heads for a band our size. Um, like yeah. we draw in comparison to bands that you would think would be much much bigger than us. Um, yeah, well, that's it's like you guys. It's it's a party. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like the dance music and everything. Like that's a fucking that's a good time. Right. You know. Like and imagine if there was a light show and a stage image that went along with it. Right. And Dude, yeah. uh, so, um, which I also, there's another thing we were talking about learning is I, I bought my whole lighting rig and I programmed it all myself. So like I've now know how to program an entire light rig, but, um, Jeez. as far as, uh, name change goes, um, every single time I bring it up, I'm like, is now the time? And they're like, well, if you do a name change, then that means basically live numbers and the guarantees go back down to zero. Um, because you can't just have a flyer with this new name and be like, oh, yeah, that's the Browning. I know that. Like, most people won't recognize it. They won't second look at it. And then so all the the pay at the live shows basically drops to at least half. Um, and so, like, f- the touring was 100% like the Browning's career. Like, it was full-time touring. The, the guarantees live were a necessity. Um and so right now, and I actually I just released a podcast today that was me talking about my thoughts on this tour that we just did. Um, right. I'm uh, I'm kind of recontemplating like what is the point of the live show? Is it to give content, basically give content to the fans that want to see that, or is it like a monetization aspect? And I'm leaning more mm-hmm. towards touring not being the main thing to be monetized. And if that's the case then I don't care if the guarantee drops in half because we change a name and people don't recognize the flyer. Like, well, yeah, because I mean, you guys have like 250,000 monthly or something, right? Yeah. On Spotify. Like that's, yeah. that's a pretty amount. And obviously, you know, signed and all that, and, Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I don't, you guys got whatever deal you guys got yeah. <laughs> with that, right. For streaming. But even that, like just straight up monetizing literally like hard. Like I know the most, most basic thing is just like, you know, through a distribution of like yeah. a stroke kit or CDB or something like, let's say you guys were independent is like, that's a pretty amount of dollars <laughs> yes. coming in. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, we'll probably, I know that's a bit more private stuff, so I won't get to it. <laughs> but um, like that's again, and you guys pushing even just with that and being it's just like again you guys start it's the music right so pushing that as far as you can and getting the monthlies up and again being the style that's in now like the fact that i'm seeing architects do ramstein industrial right. like industrials in and you guys are like next door to industrial that's the <laughs> yeah. thing right it's like you're just hey neighbor yeah <laughs> like we're right here <laughs> so that being hot and then plus even i see like again this is more like nick stupid manager mindset utilizing like the TikTok aspect of yeah. the production things and like aligning that up with it all being really hot now. Um, and then plus you just doing what you do, which is again is right. Great hard style, deathcore, modern yeah. heavy metal music, right? Like that is a recipe. And then plus involving reactors, which again, I know is, I know we have, we talked about that a bit. It's a little tougher and like going with the new release. That is huge. Like I could see you like that vision of you guys just being the, the fucking band right um and 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 blowing up even again i i I do agree like the name change maybe or like the image can contribute but like even just those aspects all coming together yeah with the name the browning i can see you guys just being the band that you go to to listen to electronic based metal like done 
yeah. you know, no questions asked. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that the potential is there even with using the name the Browning because at some point, which the Browning is probably at that point now, the name doesn't matter, just like Limbiscuit or Corn or anything silly. Right, right, right. Um, and so I think that the potential is still there, but I think that we do have to do something um, live to not just look like another metal band up on stage. Um, right. And yeah. so, uh, but I do think that they're the sound is still not like fully replicated by a lot of bands. And so I think that there's still like a corner of the market that is solely the Browning, uh, which is like, we get the Spotify numbers, uh, you know, like the end of the year and you can see how many of your listeners, uh, are you their top band? And, uh, we had so many people like a lot more, uh, people that the Browning was their top band than a lot of the, bands that are a lot bigger so which showed me like we have people specifically only listening to the browning like yeah well that's the thing it's like i don't think you even have to like heavy music to listen to you guys (laughs) which is like such a weird thing to think about because you guys have like death straight up deathcore breakdown yeah and it's like but it's just it's accessible because it's just fun it's like do you guys like i'm assuming when you guys play in europe like does it just go hard as Fun yeah, the, I'm I'm trying to yeah, condition yeah. the American crowd to act like the European crowd. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I'm doing like That's some real club music, right? Is right. like hard style and mm-hmm. like that stuff. So they must just lose their shit when they hear that yep. in a metal show. Like, yeah, be the craziest show. Definitely, yeah, and and like especially places like Russia and stuff like that where that style is just mainstream hard bass. Oh yeah, you dude. know. And so I'm, uh, yeah, Europe is definitely where it's at. I mean, there was people that thought we were a European band because we toured there so much. <laughs> like I was, I was having I a comp- you guys were a European band because of your sound actually yeah. when I listened to you at first. Well, and it's like, I, I only listen to like European metal is my favorite metal. I think that Europe, right, Europeans right. do melody better than Americans do. Yes. Um, oh, I, I agree. hundred yeah. percent. And so like the Browning, both of the very distinct European dance music and also distinctive european melodies and style of songs yeah like i could i could definitely see that and but i mean i think that right now and i'm not and i'm not sitting here like doing like a a a thing of saying that i'm doing a name change but i do think that right now is the best time for something like that because um just the like if we release a song and uh you know maybe things like we could release it and you know, people like you would say, oh, this is the Browning with a name change. Like then it like stuff yeah. like that, if it's marketed and pushed properly, can actually like make it to where it can work. Whereas before it was kind of hard to get the word out about stuff like that. It was much harder to make it like visible. Um, yeah. Well, the, well, the clickbait title would obviously be the heaviest new electronic based song in the world. Yeah. And then I would start it by saying this is actually this is the Browning. But Spine fire would have to like. I know. Uh, well, I'm, we're we're working on stuff, and the um, I just think because I mean it worked for Electric Albor, but their their name change was yes. was still so relative to their old name. Which yeah, this it is was a very similar. This is actually in um 2000. When would we tour with them? We toured with them in 2018, I think it was. Um, hmm. and in 2018, they were asking me on that tour, like we're, we're thinking about doing a name change to try to appeal to the American audience. Cause they said they weren't getting traction in America and they thought it was because of their name. Um, right. I told them, don't freaking worry about America. You guys are huge everywhere else in the world. Who cares? 
Like that's right. that was my advice, which clearly I'm wrong. They're freaking. I think they're could be one of the biggest touring acts here now. Um, right. And uh, but so they were contemplating it back then. Um, and uh, really because they again a similar thing to what I'm thinking right now is they felt the silly name kind of held them back when they were writing kind of serious music because at the time they were doing stuff like Prism and that whole rehab album. Um, and now they like reversed it. It's the the music's like Mimi and silly and like yeah. party. And now the name is a little more normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I I think they took advantage of a, a they were already wanting to do it, and then a situation arose online to where they took advantage. Yeah. And but they were like in their most hype moment, so it was also like very easy for them to do that. Like with the Browning kind of just being this band that exists you know we don't have like big hype moment which i think i need to try to focus on like having a viral tiktok of like dance music playing and then going into heavy crap and so we can figure out some sort of tiktok realm with that but if we could have like a really big hype moment then i can use that like oh everyone's talking about the browning oh now the browning is doing a name change like it would make sense but if we're just kind of like rolling under the table and we kind of get people that are um you know, long-term fans, like, I think it's hard to roll out a name change in that type of scenario. Mm, and, I got you. But yeah, so definitely uh, all of that's something I, I think about, especially, like, after this last tour, I'm thinking about it, like, non-freaking stop, because I, I do, I don't think that, because uh, I'm not going to tour a ton anymore. Like, I'm going to tour, right. but not a lot. Got a family, all that. And so I don't think that touring is the main monetization that I need from the band um, I think it's more so a bonus for fans. Um, and right. so uh, if then I don't care if the guarantees get cut in half, you know, so. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, yeah, like monetize. Yeah, definitely. Like, again, you guys got the monthlies and then plus I'm sure you guys do well on merch and all that, too. So it's like and then even expanding whatever, however you must. Again, even if you go back to Twitch or find a way to integrate yeah. that or YouTube involvement, like there's. There's a lot of ways to monetize. Even like bands have Patreons now, which is hilarious yep. to me. Like YouTubers <laughs> had them forever. And it's like, right. oh, this big announcement. My band is starting a Patreon. I'm like, dude, this is like five years old. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like not a new concept, right? Yep. But, you know, there's so many ways to monetize in that sense, which, um, again, it's always tricky with labels because, you know, you, you have agreements right. and then they were like, hey, you're making money here. Uh, so <laughs> uh, we want a little piece of that, right? Or whatever it might yep. be with management too. So. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, it, and it's funny too how the band realm and the content creator realm can like blend together with the same mindset on a lot of stuff because as oh, yeah. a creator, like we've been talking about, you are the brand, like you, yes. like you have that brandability. And um, so it's just interesting and you can apply things you learn in both realms to the other. And um, mm -hmm. I think you're doing it well. And, um, so I think I think that we're sitting here not only talking to the most influential person in metal, but the next big trap god. And so, <laughs> the next big trap. yeah, you got it, dude. That's it. Oh man, dude. And so <laughs> we got. I mean, we got a new track coming soon. It's it's like funk, um, two thousands metalcore trap. Oh, there we go. It's it, we're just getting fucking weird. I don't even you know. What Good. I mean, I mean that that's I mean look what freaking Ghostman does. You can do anything. Yeah, yeah Ghostman is so all over the place. <laughs> yeah, man, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Man. I I would I told uh I told Deadweight um the dude I work with for for production on this on the Nick Knox stuff, and I was like, I bet you this is this is going to be the thing that does it. 
like the stupid fucking trap metal thing is going to be the thing that like pushes it to the next level. It's not going to be Termina. It's not going to be like covers or yeah, it's going to be fucking trap metal. dude. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll do uh, to boost up those numbers. We'll do a uh, Nick knock featuring on Browning. And then what, dude, you know? I would like, fuck it. I don't want, I don't want no fucking splits. No, just I'm down <laughs> any day just in general to do that. Hey, shit, dude. There I'm we go. Y'all, y'all heard it here first. Yeah. There we go. I, well, I appreciate you talking to me. I think it's a good perspective and because I think a lot of people are interested in, in content creation. They want to have fun making money, and I it seems like that's what you're doing. It looks like you have a lot of fun. I have to. Yeah, I have to. It's, it's definitely draining, and there's days where I'll do streams where I'm like, that wasn't fun, and I feel like shit because I'm like, I felt like I was just there, and yeah. I wasn't actually doing something that like was worth the people's time. And I'm, you know, So it's like, yeah, no, it's, it has to be it has to be engaging. It has to be fun. It has to feel special or um, you'll just, you'll, you'll get drained and you're mm-hmm. just going to be nothing left. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I, mean, I got that so much with whenever I wasn't writing Browning music uh, on stream, it was a struggle for me to stream. Um, I did it for a long time, but really doing the live writing sessions for the Browning was what I enjoyed. And so you got to have fun with it and you got to do what you enjoy. So like for me, I'm only going to stream while I'm writing Browning music. So I'll basically, yeah. Be, be writing a Browning album. If it takes me a year, then I'll stream for a year. Then I'm going to be done and then <laughs> just right. do it again. And so like, um, cause I'm also using that as a, it's almost like a, a live reaction to the music so I can put out the best music. Cause yes. I know what the fans like in that moment. That's what I love too, about doing the single. Like we still haven't fit the second single supposed to come out in a month for Terminal. It's still not done yet. Yeah. Um, I love that perspective cause we did the first single and now you get free, research and development r&d exactly what works what doesn't okay thank you we're going to instantly use that knowledge now yep move on exactly and so i i view it like streaming the writing process as like an essential to my writing of the browning music now um and so yeah you gotta you gotta enjoy it you gotta do what you have fun with and um i think a lot of people are looking for that in their lives and you're someone to look at and be like dang now this guy freaking runs the whole metal industry and uh, <laughs> he's just being silly. Not make me laugh. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, um, appreciate you talking to me. We've been talking for quite some time, and I'm sure you got other crap to talk about with other people. So um, it's it's all crap, anyways. It's fine, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So thanks for having me, man. Yeah, everyone, go listen to Nick Knock. Don't listen to anything else he does. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly. It's that's all that matters. That. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, I'll talk to you here soon, man. Thank you. All right, thanks for having me, man. That was a good one. Yeah, peace. Thank you for listening through that episode and making it all the way to the end. And before you move on to the next episode, I would like to ask you again to please leave a five-star review. That helps push us to the algorithm, and we are one of the fastest-growing metal podcasts in the world. And so that helps it grow even more and to reach more people. And so, again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace out.